Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Glorious weekend weather led people to the beaches. And, um, you know, can you blame people for wanting to get on the beach and to do a bit of swimming and jumping off piers? No. But when there's so many, it leads to a bit of commotion. So the Red Tops today have loads and loads of people uh, on beaches and many of them huddled together in groups for all sorts of photographs. Um, Many wanted to swap the sunnies for the brollies, I suppose, because last week, of course, with showers about and what have you. So glorious weekend. Many of the papers using it to, um, you know, big up the summer because we had a bit of a break from the summer for way too long. But there were calls um, over the weekend as well from more Gardaí to be patrolling our beaches. Like a buddy of mine texted me from East Cork this morning saying the beaches were so full in East Cork yesterday that the Gardaí had to close the main beach entrance and that was down Yalway. Oh, an English reported online and in this morning's Examiner, the roads to beaches were gridlocked. Hordes of teenagers trashed parts of Seaside Village as thousands of people flocked to the coast during the weekend's mini heat wave. And the stories are coming out of Barley Cove uh, in his article. Uh, illegal campfires being lit on Long Strand. In, Co- in Skull, there was uh, reports of... Uh, sorry now, this hour of the morning... He says in Skull there were reports of vandalism, vomit and broken glass strewn on the foreshore. Uh, Locals finding drunk people asleep on footpaths on Saturday morning and a gang of 100 teenagers descending on the coastal village. A shocking night of drinking and disrespect was how one Skull native described it. So that's the downside to it. When people cut loose and there's no cop on uh, and of course when we ask people to leave no trace... Yeah, they just ignore the call. And um, if you look at the weekend, there have been 242 new COVID cases in the country when you add everything up at the weekend. Saturday night, of course, was a right shocker for all of us. 174 new cases, the virus confirmed, and 68 reported last night. And of those, seven in Cork on Saturday, which is a bit of an increase in Cork of late. But what's really, and that's from this morning's front page of the Echo, what's very interesting to me is... Uh, you know, and I know that we're all suffering from COVID burnout or COVIDitis these days. Um, sometimes just too much information. But if you look at the numbers in the last couple of weeks in Ireland uh, per 100,000, and you look at the numbers in the UK uh, for the last couple of weeks per 100,000, we are now set to surpass the UK figures. Now, um, let's be clear about this and, and calm the jets here. Much of this is coming out of food processing plants and meat plants and production facilities in the Midlands. More about that in, in a few minutes' time, I'm sure. And your thoughts on it are welcome. But, well, we have a list of green countries that it's safe to travel to, but we're told not to travel to. The latest list now that I'm thinking will be introduced in the next couple of days, perhaps, will be a risk of uh, a list of red list countries who probably won't be allowed to come here. And that will include, um, it will certainly include America and Brazil and maybe others, but a travel ban Red list will get the green light. I know it's confusing, isn't it? Trying to keep up. Uh, but the coalition, um, you know, need to kind of, and the independent is saying this this morning, need to be very careful without causing even more and more confusion. We know today's the day for masks. And while it'll never actually happen, you won't be fined two and a half grand and you'll never go to jail for six months. Uh, people are asking that, even though it's mandatory, that to be vigilant themselves and for them to, you know, I don't know whether we should be self-policing other people. I'll tell you more about a story at the weekend where somebody was policed in a supermarket and found it very annoying. But two and a half fine or jail for not wearing masks in shops. But they're asking people you know, just to have a bit of cop on and 
you know, be the ones to look after themselves as opposed to having the Gardaí to be called in to do it. So three out of the four Midlands meat plants uh, will close today. The one that won't is Carol's. Uh, the others have closed. And um, there's a big problem with uh, meat factories and the contracts that many of the, com- many of the uh, employees have in those. And unfortunately, an amount of them don't get any sick pay. And I'm wondering, is that why they come to work sick? Because they literally have to work. Uh, but people in the Midlands, Kildare, uh, Offaly and Leash have been told... Um, you are really now in lockdown and that means you can't go to another county on your holiday and if you have plans, cancel your plans. You might go to the Kildare Village which I'm told is open throughout the lockdown but I suppose retail is allowed but uh, you know, it's, uh, t- we, can, we can drive through Kildare we can't stop there. So you go drive, you're going to Dublin for instance but papers also talk today of the amount of people that are ditching the COVID-19 app. What is it with all of these apps they design that there's always something goes amiss? Uh, apparently it drains your battery. They, they say they've fixed it by now. So anyway... From tech then to transport, uh, great news of the weekend with the Lewis plan for Cork City. In my lifetime, I hope so. I mean, I don't know. Are they going to lay tracks for that? Or could it be the new invention now where you don't need tracks at all and you can have a Lewis-style uh, rapid transport system that is a train? Um, you know, it looks like a very modern Japanese-type number, but it doesn't need any tracks. It can go on wheels. Uh, anybody know there will be tracks or wheels? But there's very much... Um, uh, knows how to joint on the north side because the north side doesn't get any of the Lewis plan or the stops of the Lewis because it will go instead. And I'll break down the stops a little later on this morning, but it'll go from Balancholic to Mahan, apparently without ever crossing the river. And then be very careful because there's been a big spike in crime. And I know one of the big stories over the last few days, maybe even the last week, and I mentioned on Friday, is the amount of pedigree and beautiful and cute pups and dogs that are being stolen and much of them as we know of late ended up in Rathkeel and there was a big guard bust there uh, last week but for God's sake be really careful because they're now using drones to fly over people's gardens to see what kind of a dog you have the drone doesn't pick the dog up incidentally they then send somebody around to, to rob the dog and then another type of transport is Simon Cowell who makes the front of the mirror today because he has broken his back now there is a suggestion that he was doing a wheelie at the time I don't know, that's what the red tops are saying. Uh, but he was nearly left paralysed, but um, apparently they put a rod, some kind of a metal uh, rod into his spinal cord, which he snapped, um, and they figure that he should make a, a full recovery. So that's a story that makes many of the papers today. There's lots more besides, which I'll come back to throughout the morning. Some of the more colour ones, and some wonderful achievements as well at the weekend, which we'll do between now and midday. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Text 0868104106 for whatever may be on your mind. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. So we know of um, the surge at, at the weekend with regards to numbers, but the only consolation you can take out of this is um, if it, and a consolation of probably the wrong word is that we know that much of that is coming out of Kildare and it's coming out of meat plants and processing plants and in the past of course it was uh, meat packing plants that we know of uh, from, from last month but I know that unfortunately um, some of those um, conditions that they're working in are really really cramped uh, and they're supposedly, after putting in all sorts of new, um, you know, hygiene regimes there and spacing and perspex and cleaning protocols in these meat plants. But I just feel that maybe in the next week or two, we might even see higher numbers coming out of areas like that. They were only start, starting to see the beginning of it now and not the spike because they were here at the weekend that, you know, an awful lot of people working on those kind of plants 
don't have any provision for sick pay and that it might unfortunately encourage some to come to work while sick because they need the money. On top of that, of course, uh, not all of them uh, speak English um, and there's a serious lack of uh, interpreters as well to let them know, you know, how, how to, you know, behave or what they should or shouldn't do in these kind of circumstances. And bizarrely then, I'm told that some are paid by overseas companies. So they're not actually paid here. They're contract workers from another country, I believe. And they're paid in another country by a company that's subcontracted to the Irish company. So it's very confusing in that regard. Um, And I think that uh, certainly what COVID-19 is doing is it's starting to show us Kind of, it's almost like lifting the carpet on many different aspects of Irish society. If it's if it's food processing and meat processing plants, direct provision centres, and how we deal with the elderly in nursing homes, we certainly have learned that over the past four to to six months. But the lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Let's go for it, Vincent. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, you? So you want to just you want thank you for your text. Incidentally, I just want to pick up on travel. What, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, well, it was specifically in relation to, to uh, uh, internal travel. You mean going like well, uh, yeah, happened? you know, f- f- it's, we're we're moving around the country where we are. Then we have people who are either going on holidays overseas and isolating or not isolating. And coming up next now will be a red list of countries that will be prohibited from coming in here. Like it, it's coming very confusing now, isn't it? Yeah, it, that is that is true. Um, it, it's a it's a bit disappointing how it's um, how it's all panned out. You know, the, we've known about this for a long time, and you know, the staycation has been in the vocabulary now for a long time, and nobody seems to have prepared for it. You know, like when the government decided that they were going to you know recommend people stay at home, you know, one of the first things they should have done was look, contact the local authorities and say, look, prepare. Uh, local amenities to, to, to facilitate large crowds because you're going to be getting large crowds. And now you see reports of beaches being closed and people being turned around and sent home again on, on a good day. And it's, you know, it just shows a, a real lack of, 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 of forward planning in, in the entire thing. From yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but it's very much the same in the UK. Um, and also, I, well, I can't really say with any amount of certainty whether it's like, say, in, in Spain or anything. They have bigger beaches, maybe better road networks. But the UK and us have a similar problem. Everybody dashes on a good day. Yeah, they do. But what, what else are they going to do? I mean, like any other year in the last, say, 10 to 15 or maybe up to 20, you know, a, a large portion of the population would be away now at this point. They'd be, they'd be on holidays. And so you wouldn't have had those major rushes to the beach. But it's not unprecedented, you know. Before we all started flying away, we all, we all did go to the beach. And we have had large numbers on places like Banner Beach and Inch Beach and Kerry. They've, they've had to have previously taken large numbers, but now uh, we, we're turning them away. And you can understand it because, um, you know, in case there was an emergency, you don't want the place to be completely blocked. But they had so much time to prepare for this that they could have, you know, isolated some, you know, some piece of land near a beach to, for spillover parking. I know. They could have organized it a bit better. We've had so much time to prepare for this and we just haven't prepared. You know, I, that, that's from an internal travel point of view is, is all I'm talking about now, obviously. So you, um, did you get caught in any of it at the weekend? No, I didn't, but I didn't go intentionally. Well, I had something else on yesterday, but I didn't go on Saturday. I, you know, I, I knew I, I knew it would be, I, I, I've been to, um, 
I've been to Inch two weeks ago, uh, maybe three you now, and uh, I, went, I arrived early and I, and I left early because the crowd started building up. But Inch Beach is a massive, massive beach. And yesterday, for example, yesterday, uh, the, the tide was low at, at you know, midday, about three o'clock. And the beach is so long that there's a huge amount, a huge volume of people can be accommodated there. But they stopped it because of the entrance. But the entrance is only 100 metres long. Surely you can manage 100 metres of an entrance. So a bit of planning in advance of good weather, particularly at a weekend, when you know that hordes of people are going to be descending upon the beaches. Like, you know, I mentioned the UK. I read in the, the papers, the Telegraph at the, at the weekend, because they had a heat wave in the UK last week, that people were heading to British beaches at 2 and 3 in the morning to get the best spot. So I'm not saying that we should be proud of what happened here because apparently in Skull um, there were reports of vandalism, vomit, broken glass strewn, strewn on the foreshore, uh, locals finding drunk people asleep on footpaths on Saturday morning, a hundred teenagers descended upon the village, uh, shrubs were ripped up, rocks from a newly landscaped area were scattered at the entrance of a local centre shop. I mean, that's yeah, just there, that's just vandalism, that. pure and simple. Yeah, there is no doing any of that. that. That's unforgivable and it shouldn't be happening. But it, it's not, I mean, people are, uh, you know, they, they are kind of put now in a position where they have no choice in what they're allowed to do. It's like, um, you, you can go, you, 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 we don't want you going abroad, we want you staying at home. But we're not going to facilitate you staying at home. And the, the lack of preparation well in advance of a, of, a, of a hot day. I'm talking about a month ago, two months ago. We're lucky we did, we, you know, um, we're not lucky we had a bad July, but, but the, the authorities are lucky we had a bad July because we would have been facing this six weeks ago. Good point. Okay, uh, okay, let's get yeah. some more thoughts on it. Okay, a bit of forward planning. Appreciate it, Vincent. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. No Decided problem. to drive the Ring of Kerry at the weekend with my elderly mother. I took her on a day out. I panicked. Oh, sorry. I packed a picnic and off we set. I stopped at a shop uh, and a garage in Glen Bay and got a fill of petrol and a couple of ice creams, a coffee, a lotto scratch card each and some fresh rolls for a picnic. Now, as you can see, there was a fair few bobs spent, including a fill of petrol. I specifically stopped there because they have a huge sign outside marked toilets. Mum is 80 and needed to go. Anyway, when I inquired uh, where their toilets were, I was told they were closed due to covid a couple of things. Why do this? People need bathrooms more than ever now, as you can't just walk into a bar, a restaurant, a hotel for a coffee and to use their facilities. Two, what is the reasoning behind it? If toilets are cleaned regularly, they're not an issue at all. Why advertise facilities you are not providing? I specifically choose to spend a lot of money in this shop on the basis that I could use their bathrooms. A fill of petrol isn't cheap, you know, plus over 20 euro on other bits and bobs. We're being encouraged to holiday at home, but unlike the rest of Europe, most of our beaches and our holiday spots don't have public toilets full stop. So that's my rant over. Do you inform other people of this as it seems very unfair? I do want to be stopping in Glen Bay under false pretenses, Anne says from Bishopstown. Now, that's interesting. Certainly, there should have been a sign saying toilets closed due to COVID-19 because you'd be freaking out if you supported a business on the basis you could use their loo and drop maybe 8 or 90 euro only to find that you couldn't, as the fellas says, drop a pee. Anyway, lines open on that text 0868104106. There's reams and reams of texts. There's been a car crash on the Ringeskitty main road. There's three cars involved in it. One is toppled over. The light right lane is blocked. Emergency services are on the way. I hope everybody's all right. 
but do proceed with caution. Okay, sh- shall I play this piece of audio first, yeah? Um, just talk me through this. I have a piece of audio uh, which was sent to me by uh, Debbie Quinn. Actually, i talked to Debbie first and then we'll play the bit. Debbie, good morning. Uh, hello? Can you hear me all right? Yes, perfect. Okay, when, when did you come across these three characters? You were driving along in your car. When did you come across them? Yeah, it was it was the Friday, wasn't it? I think, yeah. Okay, so you were and just Friday afternoon then? Yeah, I was heading to the shop to get a few rolls and whatever, because we were just doing a few bits, you know? Okay. And as I was coming out of my terrace, I spotted them, you know? So I paused for about three minutes watching them. So I drove past them very slowly, and I noticed the man the man had his pants down and hit something in his hand, and so had the other fellas. So I drove up. And I reversed my car down and I approached them, as you can see in the video. So I, I challenged them, you know, and like the, the the bloke I was speaking to was kind of threatening me, you know, fuck off, all this kind of sorry. Now, now I, I did see the video. I'm going to play yeah. about 60 seconds of the audio version of it because you say that you suspect they were pants down because they were injecting heroin. Yes. Okay, yeah. let's have a listen yeah. to this. Right, what are you doing? Are you doing heroin? Uh, I hope you're f***ing not nice. There's kids everywhere. Oh, is your pants down? Yeah, and there's kids around. I don't give a sh- Take a picture. Take a picture. You're, yeah, you've been arrested now. For indecent exposure, you f***ing idiot. There's no witnesses. Don't tell me f*** it on. I jump out of the jeep and f***ing bitch is never hardly. Don't you dare speak to me, Terrible woman. Terrible woman. I tell you now, move the f*** on with your drugs. Move on. I am. I demand advantage. Move the f*** on. I ring the fuck. Ring the guards. Okay, they're moving. I thought he was going up to the car there. He's about to bop the door off him. Oh, you picked the wrong girl. Can't trust me. Yeah, they picked the wrong girl for sure. You got you got a lot of support for your intervention, didn't you? I'm home. I couldn't believe my phone. Really, it was just overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh my god, like because I'm not a one for kind of social media, texting. It, it just know. made your blood boil what you saw, right? It did. I was so angry. Do you know, because I've seen it so much now and it's just gone to the extent now where I'm like, I've had enough. I don't want my children going down this road watching this scene. And my kids already know, you know, it's heroin. My kids call them junkies. Do you know what I mean? That's what they call them, do you know? And I'm like, they have an illness, do you know? I understand that. I really genuinely do. Like, but I know there's clinics around, someone said. But I mean, like, that's not going to happen unless there's a clinic around every area, you know. Nobody wants them to. Nobody wants them to be shooting up. They are no. addicted to a substance that can just really wreck your life. And if you're, yeah. if you're unlucky, kill you. But h- how old do you think those three chaps were? I'd say the the, the, the the man that challenged me the most. I'd say he was good fifty more. I'd say the other lads would would been in the thirties. No, yeah. they didn't give me any hassle. To be fair, they didn't. And they were telling that man to shut up a lot. You know. Just goes to show how bad things are for them if they're shooting up in broad daylight on the yeah, side of the road. He, like, he was telling me just pretty much go away. Like, like, he didn't, you know, he wasn't moving, you know. 
But they did move on then, didn't they? They did, they did, because I just, like, I wasn't having it. I was literally, I, I had the whole car, I had the whole car, place backed up with cars at that stage, you know, so there was pressure put on them. So this is in the Glen area where you say you're fed up of it. Have you seen other people shooting up or is it that you and your children and your neighbours and your friends are fed up of seeing dirty needles and discarded paraphernalia? Everyone has seen it and I have seen it, I've seen it again. I was coming down through past the Glen Resort Centre and there was a young lady bending down injecting herself, you know? And she was very young and this was like... Uh, Right in front of the resort centre, would you know the resort centre would be busy? In the middle know? of the day, Debbie? Yes, absolutely. I'd say it was about two in the day, yeah. You see, we're, we're kind of, adults kind of understand, you know, um, but, yeah. but children having an idea what's going on and like... That's it, like, you know, and it's like, like, plain day, like, she like, there was a, she could have literally jumped over the wall and done it and wouldn't have been seen. I know, you know, that I, kind know of a way. I know, it's only getting worse, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Tell me the story of um, your other intervention. In fairness to you, you don't talk about things, you do it. Um, where yeah. you heard that there were users in, in some elderly gentleman's home. Yes, the, the, I, was, I was driving down to check on my dad and uh, it was during the lockdown and the pandemic really, you know. Yeah. And um, this man was trying to get into my car and I was saying, God, are you, are you okay? Do you know, I had the mask on and I was saying, he was saying, take me to the hospital and I was saying, are you okay? And he was saying, no, there's people in my house. I can't get them out. And I was like, okay. I said, and do you know them? And he was like, no. So I said, okay, I'll take you down and we'll have a look. And when I went down, there was a delivery driver outside with food. And I asked him, I said, is there people inside? I said, do you know this man? He said, I do. He said, I said, do he have family members? And he said, as far as you know, he doesn't. He lives alone. So I asked John, I said, um, just that, just average name. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I said, um, I said, do you know these people? And he said, no. He said, look, they came into, I invited them into my house. He said, for uh, to use the toilet and have a drink. And they, that it's been two weeks and they won't get out. And you could tell that there was a, there was a couple of bruises on the girl's face. So when I came back outside, um, I asked her to leave. I was calling the guardy. How many, so there was at least one girl in there. How many were in the house? There was two. It was a, a girl and a bloke, yeah. Right. And they had a Limerick accent. Right. And uh, so when I told her that she needed to leave and this, that I was ringing the guardy, she was literally threatening me to, she was going to do this, that and the other. And I said, look, if you're going to hit me, I'm going to hit you back. And with that, within seconds, I had a couple of the local lads come around to see if I was okay because they're very good like that the local lads mm. Jesus, they see anything do you know they come over and ask you are you okay mm. and I said look I have a problem here can you just stand there until I call the guardy and uh, so I called the guardy and with that they came out of the house with their stuff but they were trying she was trying to attack me at, while she was doing that yeah. but she left anyway and the guardy went down and went down and said they'd follow him um, I haven't heard anything afterwards I did check on the person afterwards several times and he's okay and he's not going to invite anyone into his did house. Did anyone go in to see what kind of state they left his house? I did, yes. yeah. And? Yes, there was drink everywhere whiskey bottles and in the bedroom it was like really like there was a couple of uh, tinfoil a couple of needles and you know, I just said look, you know that needs you need to stop letting people in. He's a vulnerable man. Vulnerable man, yeah, vulnerable yeah. See, man. yeah. You know, yeah. like you know, genuinely, like 
like there's a lot of people down there that have dementia and stuff like that. Ah, uh, come here. You're, you're spot on there because like yeah. no, nobody would be criticizing his the reasons he let, he has no, somebody no, in no. or let somebody. But they were there for two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, two and, weeks. And was that somebody delivering them fast food then, is it? Yes, it was. Yes, a local chipper, yes. My God. He must yeah. have been demented. Was he trying to get them out? Well, he, he's like, he's, I asked him to stay there cause, to watch me, you know, because like I was walking into, I didn't know what I was walking into, you know, but I still needed to make sure this man was okay, you know. He must and have been very afraid over the previous fortnight. I, I wasn't really, I was kind of a bit shaky already. No, he must have been very afraid. Oh, he was. He was crying. He was crying to me, you know. Do you know, I'm shaking. And uh, like she, she was telling me he, he was he, his niece and all this, and I was thinking, I have proof, you know. She claimed to be his niece. Did the guards yeah, catch them, do you know? The guards came and the guards followed them on. I have, I have no idea if they caught them, if they've done anything. You know, I haven't heard nothing about it. As I said, I had checked on the, the person previously to see if he was okay, you know. But as I said, there's a lot of vulnerable men down there and women with dementia. And like, if you knocked at the door and asked them, to, can you use the toilet? Absolutely, they're going to let you do it. Uh, like, I know, you know? I know, you which know? is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then come on in, have a cup of tea. Yeah, we've absolutely. Known, yeah. And before and you know it, two yeah. weeks later, he's absolutely at his wit's I mean, end. Yeah, and, and a person that would have known him said the same, that she hadn't seen him in two weeks, which she found very strange as well, you know, because you would see the same person constantly passing or knocking to light his fire and stuff. I know, I know he must have been very emotionally upset, but thank God he wasn't harmed. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, and, you know, and fair play to you, but be careful when you intervene, you know, I think you probably no, know that anyway, just be careful. But uh, yeah. this is not, like, obviously clearly it's not how you were reared, nor how you, how you rear your own children, but what was it, what was growing up like when you were small? Very different to where it, how it is Absolutely. now. Absolutely, like like when I was younger, Jesus, like you were told, you know yourself when you were younger, like you you go playing all day and you come in, you're hungry. Do you know? And it's dark at that stage. Like there was no fear. Do you know? We'd be hanging around chippers and like we come in, we check in a couple uh, of hours for our yeah. dinner and we'd be gone again. Do you know? But yeah. that's not no. No, now I have my, my, my son checking in every half an hour at this stage. I know, I know. You I know? know? And yeah. people keeping an eye on that elderly man, did anybody help to clean up the house? I'm just wondering because it seems like it was in an awful state. To be honest with you, I don't know. I'd say the neighbour, a couple of neighbours, which I spoke to, said they were going to, you know. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, if you're in the area um, and you get an opportunity to call in, ju- just check on them, see if there's anything he needs. Oh, and maybe- I, I've done that. Like, I, I'm always done that. And I see him and I knock in and I ask, you know, because down there, uh, that place, as I said, it's for the elderly only, you know. I know. And that, that's where I see a lot of them coming. And I, I'm just terrified for them because they're so vulnerable, you know. Of course, the message to elderly people is do not let anybody into your no. home. It's awful to I- say this in day and age, but don't yeah. let anybody in. Yeah. I'm sure even my own my own dad I could tell him like I'm constantly telling him lock the door he has the door open he's like no no because you'll be called and I'll be like no dad I won't be calling for a while yeah. he's, he's vulnerable as well you know so I'm very worried about that anybody could walk in under anybody. any kind of a pretense anybody yeah. could say can I have a roll up my dad would no problem with this yeah you know here you go as we do we are nice people you know I know I know I know listen pleasure talking to you well done thanks for uh, taking the time out to catch up cheers Debbie no bother. Thank you. Debbie Quinn. Um, so on more than one occasion, she has intervened in fairness to her. Uh, and of course, she acknowledges she needs to be careful as she goes about her interventions, as the fellow says. one 850 text 0868-104-106. Tanya, good morning. Good morning, Neil. It's lovely you? talking to you as well, because, um, with, you know, 
these are the ways we get the stories out on air by people getting in touch with what they see. Um, and this is a story from Wellington Road at the weekend. Is this Saturday? This was yesterday. Okay, so just Sunday. All right, okay. Yeah. What did you see? Um, I was up on Wellington Road and I seen um, a guy walking down the street and I seen a guard car pull in um, and get out and they obviously asked him, you know, could they search him? Um, so obviously maybe they were searching for drugs and stuff, which is fine. I don't have an issue with that because with all the drugs all over the city and stuff, random drug searches and stuff is a great thing. Um, but they proceeded to search him anyway and they took off, like asked him to take off his shoes, which is fine because I know they do that. And But a few minutes later, I actually seen him remove his pants um, in the middle of the street. So they, they asked him to remove his pants fully. Um, so then this guy was standing in the middle of the street in his boxer shorts. Um, there was people out walking dogs. There was pe- elderly people passing. There was a woman came out of a house with a young child. Um, there was people driving past, slowing down in cars, looking and stuff like that. I just thought it was absolutely crazy in the middle of the street. Didn't one of your buddies say that if they want to do that, they need to bring him to a guard station? Yeah, well, that's what I. That's if you asked somebody to take off their pants, you, as well. yeah, like that. If if they were like if they suspected that he had something on him more than what they thought, that would they not bring him to a station um, and search him there rather than take off his pants in the middle of the street? Like there was a a guard car there with two guards, and then a few minutes later, a paddy wagon pulled up with another two guards. So I was going to kind of presume when I saw the paddy wagon pull up that they were actually going to arrest him. Um, and in the end, and all in all, when he when they were finished searching him, he went to put back on his pants and one of the guards actually helped him put back on the pants and they left him go. So obviously, I don't know, maybe they didn't find anything on him. The guard helped um, him to put back on his trousers. Did the guard have a mask on or a visor or gloves or anything? No, no gloves, no visors, no mask. Oh my God, what, what you're describing to me is so wrong on many different levels. The only thing that came yeah. into my head when I, when I heard about this was, how do you know that the guy didn't volunteer to remove his pants and say, I have nothing, look, I'll take off my trousers, I'll show you. Mm, yeah. Do you know, I mean, I'm just suggesting. Yeah, no, I could have been, but I just thought in the middle of the street, in front of, as I said, there was a woman came out of a house with a young child, and I just thought, like, it was just a child even shouldn't be looking at, you know, someone taking off their pants in the middle of the street. No, no, no. No, it's, um, ra- it's, no, it's wrong. It was wrong, and so, as mean, you said, on so many levels, it was wrong. Um, how long did this take to unfold? They were there a good 10 minutes. And did, after it all ended, how old was this guy about, do you know? He was, I'd say, late 20s. Now, I actually volunteer with the homeless in Corkneal. And I've actually seen this guy around the Simon community. So um, I've had, like, I've met him once or twice. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe he is going through the services. As I said, I've only seen him down around the Simon mm. maybe once or twice. Mm. And he does kind of seem to have a few mental health issues as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, just on, on that subject, I was absolutely horrified, horrified that people shared that video of that unfortunate girl on the Grand Parade dancing. Did you see that? I didn't see it, but I heard about it. I yeah. was absolutely horrified because even people who should have known better sent it to me. Um, 
and I'm not yeah. going to go into the details of the woman or, or anything in any way, shape or form, but it should have been clearly obvious to everybody that that girl needed help and not mocking and being laughed on on social media. I think it was exactly, a horrible yeah, thing to do. Exactly, social media is not, it's not the place for it. Like, oh, isn't this so me. funny? There was nothing funny about that misfortunate girl, I can tell you. No, there's not. And it, should, it should never have been taken in the first place. Now, when this lad then put his pants back on, was he left walk off? Yeah. All right. Yeah. He, so, he did left walk off after that. So the guards then, I probably should know this, but have the guards the power to stop and search without reason? They can stop. Um, as far as I know, they can stop and search under the Drugs Act because I know recently my friend's son was actually stopped and searched and, like, you know, obviously, he's not an enemy, he's a great kid, he's a great young fella. So I think, like, my own daughter has been stopped and searched in town. She's but, 17. But wait a minute, do they take her name? Yeah, they do. Like, sometimes. She said she was stopped once or twice in town. Um, they searched her um, and they asked her name, where she was living, um, and that they were searching her under the Drugs Act. And do they write that information down anywhere? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Do they write but it? Come in? here. Like, hang on a second. You need to be really careful about this. If a guard stops your child under the Drugs Act, takes their name, date of birth, and their address, they find nothing, and they go back into Pulse, and they put information. I stopped, um, uh, let's say, uh, let's call you Murphy, and let's yeah. call your daughter Mary. I stopped Mary Murphy, age 17, from blah 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 under the Drugs Act. It's in Pulse, then. Yeah, well, I know what my friend, my friend recently actually went to the guards herself because her son was after me and searched a few times and she went to the guards to say to them, like, um, were they getting them mixed up with the wrong person or something because they had continuously searched them for over a week and this young fella is never outside the door at night. She's always at home, never in trouble. And when the guards said... To my friend, well, if they're searching him, they should be putting his name into the system. So the guards that was on actually went and checked the system because my friend brought her son's ID down. Yes. And when they went and searched the system, they couldn't even find anything in the system. Okay, well, that might answer my worry then, that people who are stopped and searched and they're innocent, their names aren't put into posts or they're not recorded on any guard database because... That, that would be a real worry. That would be a real red mark against them in later life if it showed up that they had been stopped under a drug caution or something, or a drug search. Yeah, because I know when my friend did go to the guards about it, um, the guard that she was talking to, she said it was lovely and very helpful. And he said that when a guard does stop you under the Drugs Act, that they should take, when they take your name and address, that then they're supposed to go back to the station and put it into the system that they've searched such and such a person, whether they've found anything or not. But when she went to check, and the guard checked there was nothing in the system I'll have to get clarification on that because if you're saying that the guards can stop people randomly under mm. for a drug search under the drug act or whatever you don't want them putting your information into a guard database if you're innocent exactly yeah okay and this guy was left go off on his uh, merry way but you believe that the guard asked him to take his trousers off in the middle of the day Well, in front of people walking up and down. That's demeaning. Oh, yeah, I mean, there was elderly people walking past and people walking dogs. And as I said, there was cars slowing down, passing and stuff. And then this guy just standing in the middle of the street. And as I said, the guard actually helped him put the pants back on. And you believe Um, him to be a vulnerable man 
already engaging with social services in the city? Yeah, as I said, like when homeless I was volunteer with the homeless, yeah. so I have met okay. him a few times down around the Simon and like that, he does seem to have a few mental health issues as well. So he would be very vulnerable. Okay, okay. All right, let, let, I'm waiting on a response from the Garda Shukan on this. We'll see what they have to say, all right? Perfect. Thanks very much. You're very good, Tanya. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Cheers. You if you want to get in on this conversation, text 0868104106, particularly if you can shed any light on my questions there. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Texter says, why don't the media tell how it is with workers in these meat plants? They're exploited and treated like slaves. You clearly heard me talking about some of the meat plants this morning. You can't tar them all with the same brush because some are better than others. I've already given you some of the examples of what it's like to work in some of these processing plants. Um, can I also add to the fact that many of them are paid very, very badly, appallingly low wages. Uh, some have no contracts whatsoever and work from day and week to week. And many of them, them share living conditions then they're are atrocious, they're appalling. I mean, I'm not quite sure what else you want me to tell you. I'm telling you as much as I know. Uh, to the phone lines we go on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Ted, good morning. Hello. Now, Ted, the photograph, what I have in front of my eyes, whose car is that? I actually do not know. Okay. And who are the two characters that are unconscious lying on it? As far as I know, they're students. It's half past five in the morning. I'm out walking dogs. I'm a, I'm a dog person. And I thought they were dead, so we went past them and no sound. I have three dogs, two German Shepherds, and we were making noise. Unconscious from a drink. Like, it's, it's amazing. Snorting. This, they this, were snorting. This no. is the Magazine Road, incidentally, lads, right? Half past five. Off, ma- off Magazine Road. It's behind Hogsville College Road, Magazine Road. Now, my question is Am I right to take that picture? Do you get grief over it? No, no, no. Under the law, because I'm thinking about getting a body cam myself. Under the well, law. Well, you sent it to me, and you're you're okay with that. I'm not going to publish it, but, you know, yeah, but if I were to publish that photograph that you sent me, I'd be in trouble, I'd imagine, on the GDPR. I'm walking out up there 30-odd years, and I was nearly attacked last week by students running across screaming heads at me. The week before that, I see a girl squatting down, going to the, going to the bathroom. I mind my business. I nearly fell up in the road, twisted drunk off her head. This now was six o'clock in the morning. It seems to me like when the daylight comes out, they all come out of the houses. Same thing, I go walking my dogs because I work six days a week. Yeah. My dogs, I work six days a week. Do you get me? I do. I'm so you're, you're seeing them at dawn after the worst after the wear yes. and tear of the night before. Yeah. Yes, yes. And it seems to be getting worse and worse and broken glass everywhere. So am I right if I got a body cam on me you now? Yeah. And them guys there on, on the car drunk, no problem there. What about the girl that's squatting down drunk and can't pull up her pants and she nearly fall up on the road? I think that'd be wrong for me to do that. Um, are you are you aware that are you aware that footage that was taken on the Grand Parade? I believe it was the Grand Parade, wasn't it? I saw it. I, I have my own phone myself. I saw it, and I just thought it was a wind up. I don't know. Um, somebody took that photograph or that video of her. Um, I'm not, I, I don't know her. I'm not going to. I'm not going to surmise what's going on in her life. But you know, she's wearing very little clothing, as, as you can probably see, uh, and she's yeah, dancing. I 
Thought she was frightened, I don't know. People thought that was funny. Because they don't know. I didn't find it funny. I found it really sad. I thought it was awful. I thought it was humiliating for yeah. the girl to have that photo. The stuff on the phones, Neil, is rotten by what comes out of us. It's disgusting. And young kids can look at this. Google have a lot to play at this. That's yeah. nothing what goes. That's not what's going on by. That's nothing. There's murders. Women should be murdered right in front of you. And it's all allowed. Um... There was a bit of a call out at the weekend after this video went up telling people to cop themselves on. This is not funny. She clearly needs help. Don't be sharing yeah. it thinking, oh, yeah. look, isn't this great laugh mocking her. And some people then took it down, but they were so brain dead that they actually shared it or put it up in their pages in the first place, you see. Those two, those two drunk characters, I mean, it's amazing. They must be so bad because they're leaning backwards upon the bonnet of the car. That's I could not... I couldn't do that awake, but yet they're they're managing to... They didn't even slip off the bonnet. The one guy with a bottle of water on his hand. I went past them once. I left them alone. Mind me a business. There's a small green ear there. And the dogs, the dogs off. That's why. Going around, come back. Then again, say, well, check these guys now. Make sure they're okay. But they were very close to them. And snorting. So I left him alone then when my own business went up on the road. Imagine the character, the, the person who owns that car coming out in the morning wanting to actually well, drive it. there is a shooting house two doors down from that car. Whether it's them or not, I don't know. Well, whomever owned the car, like. Imagine mm-hmm. you're trying to move those two lumps. I don't know. Anyway, so, anyway, apparently uh, COVID Central, COVID Party Central is as bad as ever up there, so is it? Yes, I've passed every day now, uh, four host parties, as I said, five o'clock's my time for walking, between five and six, music blasting, and you know what, I was kind of jealous at the same time, women laughing and joking, all the lads, huh? that's the way it is now around here. All right, bye, all right, okay, mind yourself, thanks for that, appreciate it, Ted, take care. Good luck, Ted, go on. Take care. Back after the break, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Hold on, to Dennis. Back after these. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Welcome back to your text then with regards to uh, issues on the beaches from the weekend. But just ahead of that, thanks for your patience. Morning, Dennis. Good morning to you, Neil. Ah, oh, you sound in great form after the weekend. Where were you? Uh, I was in Belly Bunyan. Yesterday. I was there a couple of weeks back and I thought it was great well, fun together. absolutely thronged yesterday. We couldn't get to the beach because I'm over 70 and there was no room in the beach. It was absolutely mobbed. No room at the inn. So what did you do? No room. So we went, I said to Sinead, my daughter, we had a dog so we couldn't go into a restaurant. We'd, eat, we'd get something to eat. I won't give you the name of the restaurant we went to. Right. But we sat, we sat outside. There was two, four tables outside and one came vacant. So we sat down there. So you put in your order. And we, the girl came over, the waitress came over, and we put the order. I wanted a, a couple of drinks. So we, we, I had to order food, so we got chicken kebab for nine euro. Right. Should I be writing this down now? I'm going to write this down. I got nine euro. I got, I got chicken kebab that cost nine euro. Well, the, 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 the government said you must charge nine euro for a meal. Yeah. So anyway, I said to the girl, can I have a drink? They had no draft to only bottles. So I, we got a bottle of Heineken, uh, non-alcohol, because she was driving. I got a bottle of Coors Light and a Jimison. 
Okay, right. so the the Coors Light and the the Coors Light and the Heineken Zero be a fiver each. Would that be a fiver? Yeah, yeah, about oh. a fiver each. Yeah, and oh. the Jimson would be about four fifty. Okay, so I got five, ten, nineteen, right. twenty three fifty. That's great. So anyway, she she gave she gave the her card and the girl put the card. or she went in and um, she tapped the card and she came back and she handed my daughter the card, which she gave her no receipts. Okay. Right. So she, she did, also she took the card away, which you're not supposed to she do. Just, she did. Yeah, she went inside the, in, into the restaurant, came out again, and gave Shania the card. So anyway, Shania went in after her and asked for the receipt, and she got the receipt. Okay. So the girl came out anyway. The waitress came out, and I said, "Well, excuse me, could I get have the same drinks again?" Oh, she said, "Certainly, sir," because we were after having the. Oh no, we got no. The chicken came back. Didn't come. Yes. So I, I got the same drinks again, and I gave her 22, 10 euro notes, and she went off in, and she came out to me, and she said, it's 30 euro. 30 euro for the drinks yeah, without three, food? Three same drinks. I gave her 20, t- thinking that I get changed, <laughs> and she came out again, and she said, sorry, sir. It's 30 euro. Wait a second. Wait a second. It's 30 euro then for. I thought it was 30 euro, including the kebab. You're telling me it's the second round of drinks. She had paid with the card first. How much was that? 39. I tell you what she paid now. She looked at it when we came home. She looked at it at the horrors. She got all the seats. She paid. I'll tell you what she paid now. 28 something. She paid for the kebab and the two kebabs and the drinks. I'm not, no, I'm not following you there now. Hang on a second. The she kebabs were nine euro each, right? Yes. So that's eighteen. Right. So you need to add on the Heineken Zero, the Coors Light, and the Jameson. She looked at it and it was twenty-eight euro something. So that's only the price of the three kebabs. No, two kebabs. <laughs> eighteen. Yeah. Like, no, that, uh, unless well, I saw I unless I saw that receipt that she paid twenty eight. She paid twenty eight euro for two kebabs two and three kebabs drinks. And the three, and the three drinks. You were asked for how much for three drinks? Thirty euro. I gave her twenty, and she came out after two or three minutes, and she said, "Sir, it's thirty euro." She must have been bewildered by the crowds because none of that makes any sense. Well, now, now listen to me, and I said to Shanid, "All the kebabs came." In a, a takeaway box. We don't mind that. That's hygiene. Two, two big kebabs in two uh, takeaway boxes. So, Sinead, I opened the box, my uh, kebab, and I said, Sinead, what did you get, Sinead? Was that vegetable kebab you got? No, she said, chicken kebab. Well, I said to her, the chicken was just flowing away and coming out because there's no chicken in my kebab. <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing in Ballybunion? That's Benny. I don't know. I was just saying you were on there last week about Kenzie's. I was in there a couple of times and it was absolutely beautiful. That's beautiful. And That's in y'all. I was also in Ballybunion and I loved it. I told you did this yesterday. And I said, I can get you on the show. But, in the morning. I said, don't get on the show. But wait a second. You know when you got the receipt for the drinks that cost you 30 euro? Have you got the I break? Got no, I, that's it. I got no receipts. That's, that, that's the big ah, thing about it. Say. So three drinks, two bottles of beer and a whiskey cost you 30 euro. There was, the one of them was, uh, I think, it is, the, the, I walked in the bar before. I think the non-alcohol drink is nearly the same price 
as a bottle of course light. Yeah, but 30 and euro for three drinks means that they're yes, 10 euro each. Listen now, and I'm going to go further with you. <laughs> I know about bottles. They were the bottles we got were non-returnables. Non that meant they shouldn't be sold on. You mean they were bought in a supermarket? Exactly. They're very light glass. The ones you get in the supermarket, they <laughs> are the ones that come out of the thing, is heavy glass. Oh, man alive. I don't get this Just at all. The audience, to stay away from belly bunions. <laughs> yeah, it's a rip-off. <laughs> and you were on there about holidaying in Ireland. Sinead <laughs> said we could go over to Spain and eat for the whole week for that, for that kind of money. You would have flown to Spain for the price of the round of drinks. <laughs> We nearly would. No. All right. All right. Sorry. Ten Clancy's in y'all. And I'd be down there when he deals. All right, kid. Go to Clancy's in y'all. Look after you down there. But you saying stay away from belly bunions. My fault. I recommended it about a week or ten days ago. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. So I mentioned... uh, story in the uh, examiner this morning of the roads to the beaches, the beaches themselves thronged because of the good weather um, you know, that's to be expected I suppose because everybody wants to get to the beach they can't go overseas, you see so many Irish people now staycationing and holidaying at home many people going to places the very first time, others going to places they haven't been since they were a child and maybe bringing their own kids because we're very fast to jump on an airplane, but not these days. So then you had other issues where it led to a lot of antisocial behaviour and terrible kind of carry-on, you know, campfires, uh, junk, bottles, cans, glass, uh, teenagers descending upon skull and wrecking part of the place, and that's the downside to it. A couple of texts on that. Banner Beach was crazy, says Emma. I didn't realise how bad it was until we were trying to leave a lot of good distancing on the beach, but when we were trying to leave, of course, that was the problem with traffic. All the lifeguards, the guardie, and the rescue crews were doing their very best. Susan said, I have no issue with people visiting beaches. It's great to see people getting out and enjoying the weather. But please, why won't you take your rubbish home with you? Evelyn says, I enjoyed myself like everyone else around me at the beaches. People were just having a great time in the sun without any problems that I could see. She doesn't say what beach she was on. But Carol says she was in Red Barn. The weather was beautiful at the weekend. Everyone was distanced. The problem with Inchidani was the parking. There's only about 100 parking places for a massive, massive beach. My daughter lives in Riverstick and couldn't get to the local shop at the weekend because of the traffic on the way into Kinsale. So they were... uh, because the gridlock, locals couldn't move about either. Uh, just another few of those. Uh, Louise says, it's great to see places booming and businesses trading. It really is. You're so right. She says, the issue is parking. That's all. That's what's causing the havoc. There's plenty of room for distancing on our beaches. We were on Banna Beach on Saturday. There were no problems. We were very far down the beach where it was quite quiet enough down there. We walked up the beach towards the main entrance and there was a lot of people there. The beach is huge, though, so it didn't present any problem on Banner. Cork people were all over the place at the weekend. I visited a beach at the weekend. I wouldn't be moaning about it. People making the most of the weather and doing what was asked of them. Have a staycation. Uh, Catherine says, likewise, I was on the beach all weekend. I had a fab time with family and friends. Jar says, what's the problem once you stay two metres away from people? You're safe. No one wants to sit on top of anyone else. All these photos sharing on social media for the weekend are misleading and not taken up close. If the photographs were taken up close, you would see two metre distancing between people. Regards to the teens on the beaches, Alex says, this country is built on drinking. Half the population can't have a decent conversation without drink. 
How do we expect our kids to grow up any different? Brian says, what happened with the teenagers was a typical magazine road student style behaviour. Hashtag close down UCC. Uh, the government says Charlie asked us to stay at home and now they realise Ireland can't facilitate staycationing. What more do they want us to do? And two fast ones here. The teenagers were a bunch of pigs. They can't even clean up after themselves. They have no respect for the place. And Nicholas says, I live in West Cork and I just cannot see what the fuss is all about. It's been the same for years, especially on a hot weekend in August. This has nothing whatsoever to do with COVID, let me tell you. The roads which lead to most of these beaches are completely inadequate for the traffic that travels on them at this time of the year. I'm sure it's got to be a lot worse, Nicola. Thank you for your text. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you per se. Like we hear of these stories year in, year out when it's hot, but it's got to be compounded even more because people aren't going overseas. And it's interesting because we know of lists of countries that were on the green list and then we know that some of them were knocked off the green list and then of course there's all sorts of holiday police that are reporting in on friends and relations who are overseas on holidays and are they quarantining and isolating when they come back and and then stories of people going back to work and not going into isolation when they've been in perhaps dangerous countries. On top of all of this then, so that's a green list, we're also going to have a thing called a red list. And Hugh O'Connell, the political correspondent in the Irish and Sunday Independent, has been writing about this over the past few days. Um, and he should join me. Uh, he does join me by phone on line one. Hugh, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Where to, where to begin? I suppose the red list. What's that all about? So this is a proposal that's kind of been long muted uh, by governments that, um, and, and Ireland is actually one of the few countries, one of the, I think one of the only EU countries that doesn't have this sort of list of countries that uh, effectively third countries outside of the EU, outside of the UK, for example, and outside of the European economic area, uh, from which you, you should not be travelling to Ireland from. And the intention is that effectively in the same way that the green list operates that um, you know it is countries with a similar incidence rate of the disease to Ireland the red list is a list of high incidence rate countries uh, countries like the US and Brazil which have had really high numbers of cases of, of COVID-19 and are obviously struggling to deal with the fallout from that that effectively people from these countries would not allow to be uh, would, would not be allowed to travel to Ireland unless they were uh, an essential worker unless they were an Irish resident themselves or an Irish citizen um, or a family member. So this is uh, really something that, that, as I said, that, that, that has been on the cards for quite a long time. And now, as we reported in the in the Sunday Independent yesterday, Stephen Donnelly, the health minister, is uh, working up on some proposals that he hopes to bring to government in the next few days uh, that would allow for this red list to be introduced. And uh, it's expected, as I said there, that, that the US and Brazil yeah. would be on it. Yeah, because in the US, you'd have areas like, say, Florida and Texas and places like that, wouldn't you? Uh, where the numbers would be particularly yeah. high. Yeah. Yes, you would. But I suppose, you know, one of, the, one of the things to note, I guess, is the fact that there aren't an awful lot of people coming from these countries to Ireland at the moment. So, and, you know, travel accounts for a very, very low proportion, I think, of the, of the, of the number of new cases. Like, the number of new cases in Ireland has been growing, obviously, over the last few weeks. But uh, very few of them have been linked to, to foreign travel. But, you know, it only takes one person coming into the country who has COVID-19 from one of these countries, potentially, uh, who could, you know, infect uh, hundreds or, or, you know, spark a, a 
uh, an infection that uh, could spread uh, quite quite rapidly. So this is, as I suppose, just another measure that the government feels it can take to kind of uh, you know cover off that that, that area. Because like though, if you look, said, travel is is very low proportion of, of yeah, uh, for yeah. A low proportion. But if because if you look at somewhere like say for instance New Zealand, they shut down their borders, didn't they? And now they're pretty much living a normal life, aren't they? Yeah, uh, yes, that's right. I mean, yesterday, I think uh, New Zealand had 100 day, marked 100 days without any new COVID-19 cases, and that's an extraordinary achievement. But New Zealand's on the other side of the world, and this is the thing that the government says often, and they are right. You know, it's on the other side of the world. They are not like Ireland, uh, perhaps as, as small and as open an economy as we are um, we are in the EU. Uh, we can't ban travel from European uh, Union countries. Um, we can't ban travel from the UK, for example, because of the common travel area. So, you know, we, we put in place measures such as the uh, the 14-day isolation period, that even if you're traveling from the UK, you should isolate for 14 days, although that doesn't apply to, to the north uh, and crossing back and forth across the border. Um, so, you know, we, we can't really do what New Zealand has done uh, in terms of basically banning all foreign travel and, uh, you know, forcibly quarantining I know. Uh, everyone who arrives into the country. We could potentially uh, quarantine everyone who arrives into the country, but the government has kind of said, expressed the view that they don't think that this is necessarily, uh, you know, uh, first of all, necessary and that it would potentially even work because, you know, they highlight cases in Australia where um, quarantine, uh, mandatory quarantine didn't work. Mm. But um, that's a debate that's, that's ongoing. Certainly, there's another question around uh, whether enough has been done to check up on passengers arriving into the airport, whether they are actually quarantining for 14 days. And another thing that has been t- spoken about is this idea that people would have to show that they are COVID-free before they arrive into the country, that they would have to have a certificate from a doctor maybe showing that they had a negative test within the... But right now, they don't have hour. to do that, nor do they have a temperature check when they come in. Um, no. Just, I, I don't know whether you have the stats in front of you, but you wrote an article in The Independent on the 6th of August where you said 100,000 people have flown into Ireland over the past two weeks. I was shocked actually that it was that high. Uh, yes, it is. I mean, it's, it's averaging out at about 7,000 a day. Um, it is a lot, yes. And I suppose that is cause for concern. And that number has been uh, growing uh, over the last few weeks. It's, it's gone up, I suppose, as the country has kind of opened up again and people have had to travel for various reasons. But um, I, I guess, there, you know, there are various reasons behind that. I mean, there are Irish citizens traveling. There are people traveling for essential work reasons. And there are essential workers coming into the country, essential workers leaving the country and going to other countries. Um, but look, there's no doubt about it. People have been going on foreign holidays. Um, the advice from the government is for them not to do that. But I mean, you know, I've seen airlines that are promoting, you know, green list getaways and stuff like this. And that's that's cause for concern, I think. And that should be cause for concern. The fact that, that, that the green list has been kind of seen as... A, uh, an invitation for people to to fly abroad on on their summer holidays, uh, which is not what the government is advising. But I suppose the fact that there is a green list and mm. green means go mm. is is kind of adding to, a little bit to the confusion. Uh, the government took five uh, destinations off the green list last week, but they are destinations that you can't even fly directly to from Ireland. Uh, well, I think four of them are, and then Malta was taken off as well. But there was very low numbers of people coming into the country from Malta, um, and. Uh, of those, of that, I, I think it was about 103,000 uh, passengers flying into the, the state's three airports over the, the previous fortnight from those figures that were published um, uh, earlier in the week yeah. and or, early la- or late last week. 
Um, it included uh, in total, I think, of nearly 15,000 from the greenlist countries and nearly 28,000 from the UK. But as I said earlier, you, you can't, um, or we can't ban travel entirely from the UK. We can only just no, I know, and the vast people uh, coming coming into the country. A to, lot of them were coming the mandatory the quarantine. Like, to, I mean, I, I don't know how much you're going around in, in your own locality, or like, but I'm traveling a fair bit between Cork and areas of Kerry, and I'm just not seeing Americans. I'm just not like. No, and, and like we, there aren't a lot of Americans coming into the country. Those figures that, that we're talking about there, eighteen hundred, uh, it last or the week before last, coming into Ireland from the US. In some cases, there are Irish people coming, coming, uh, returning home. I mean, look, they're just as likely, perhaps, or you know, they're no more likely to have COVID nineteen than an American citizen coming yeah. into the country. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, certainly it doesn't. I mean, there, obviously, we've had a lot of anecdotal evidence. We had a bit of a panic a couple of weeks ago over a weekend when there seemed to be lots of Americans floating around the, the west of Ireland and the southwest of Ireland. But the numbers are very low, as I said, just around eighteen hundred of that of that um, of, of of about fifty four thousand that arrived. Uh, the week before last. So, I, you know, I think that, that the message is being heeded by the vast majority of people that you, you shouldn't be traveling. But, um, but, and but the statistics would show that travel only accounts for a tiny amount of COVID-19, doesn't it? Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that's the, that's the important thing to point out. I mean, the red list is not the panacea, um, but it is, as I said, it's it's kind of a it's a string to the to, to the government's bow. It's it's a it's a weapon in their armory. It's something that they can use just to uh, try and cover off that that concern that might exist around people coming from high uh, in uh, countries with a high incidence rate, such as Brazil, such as the US. Um, and I, I think that it's as I said, it's something that most other European countries have done, and Ireland hasn't done. Uh, it's something that many people might might think is is long overdue. So. Stephen Donnelly is, is coming up with these proposals and he helps to bring them to government in the next... How are they, uh, how are, how are they coping in the Midlands? Do you, do you know? Are you across that story? Are they um, coming to terms well, with I mean, lockdown? I, 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 uh, I'm from the Midlands myself. I was uh, born and raised in Kildare. I was born in Dublin, but raised in Kildare. I was speaking to my mother this morning and she's a, an essential worker uh, working in Kildare. She was travelling, but um, you know she's been tested a number of times and... and um, you know, she thankfully it's, it's come back negative, but they're, they're coping. But I mean, it's frustrating, I guess, that, that the retail shops are closed for them. And the fact that, uh, you know, that, that they do seem to have had to take a step backwards. There's a frustration, I guess, that it's, it's the meat factories and there's a feeling perhaps that the government could have done more in respect of the meat factories. There was a, a view, I guess, taken that a few weeks ago that they had zero new cases in these factories, so there was a feeling, perhaps, uh, complacency that that issue had been dealt with and that they had kind of rid, rid uh, meat factories and food processing plants of the disease. It's come back with a vengeance. They're beginning testing now, serial testing in meat factories across the across the region. And many aren't opening. Many didn't open this morning, so they didn't. That's that's right. In affected areas, a lot of a lot of the meat factories, at least three anyway, have not, um, or food processing plants have not. Uh, reopen. So I, I think that they're, you know, they're taking a, 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 a sort of proactive approach now. But I suppose the questions that people in the Midlands will have as they are forced uh, to shut their businesses or they are uh, not able to go to work and yeah. have to go on the pandemic unemployment payments, yeah. they're asking, you know, why was this allowed to happen? Why didn't we deal with this a few weeks ago? Why didn't we set up a, you know, a serial testing regime in? food processing plants when the evidence was there to show that notwithstanding the measures that you could take in terms of protective screens, PPE and all these measures, there was still going to be uh, a high degree of risk uh, from people congregating in these factories, people moving in and out of these factories, people going into direct provision centres. People will be asking as to why 
uh, serial testing regime wasn't in place for this kind yes. of uh, risky, risky part of the economy. Shining a lot of light at the moment, isn't it, on different aspects of Irish society of that you can be sure. Hugh, thanks for taking the call. I, I do appreciate it. Regards to you. I'm obliged. Thank you. Hugh O'Connell. Thank you. Political correspondent with the Irish Independent and the Sunday Independent. We have calls on this and lots more besides. Text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. All right, back to the phone lines we go. Tom, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing, Neil? I think... Um, we're kind of damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. We want tourists coming into the country because of money and the economy, but at the same time, we don't want them coming in because of this pandemic, right? Um, in, in, in Waterville last year, there was a sign went up in a cafe saying, no loud Americans. Do you remember that? Uh-huh, yep. And there was, there was yep. big talk nationally about this. It became a big story. Now we're looking at Americans in a similar way, aren't we? We are indeed, and before we go any further, I'm I'm a loud American, believe it or not. Beside the, <laughs> beside the accents, right? <laughs> I was I was born in New York, and I came over here when I was fifteen. Okay, so I'm here a while. I'm retired, well past the retirement at this stage. Uh, <laughs> I I wrote to you because I I watch the American news. Obviously, I have an interest the place where I was born. Yeah. And I saw an, ad, uh, an article in the National Public Radio, NPR, which is a publicly funded radio station out in America, which is across the country. And th- I sent you on the link, so I know you've had a look at it. Yeah. Uh, they're, let, they're, they're advertising that Ireland is open for business, for God's sake. Now, a friend of mine's son came back last week and he's from the dirty T word, Texas. <laughs> and he's he, now, in fairness, he's he's isolating and all the rest of that stuff. But still, in all, I'm 68, right? And I see that. And this gentleman before me was talking about 1,800 people a week. Well, this thing spreads exponentially. It, it's not like it goes from one to one to one. This thing goes like unbelievable. That's why we have scary jumps like we had on Saturday night, you know, because exactly one or two meat plants, one person before you know it, it turns into dozens. No, in the last two weeks, a hundred thousand people have flown into Ireland. In oh, two weeks, a hundred thousand. But, but where, where's this red list at? This red list is, is a joke. You know, it, there is it's no a total joke. There, They're coming in here when they want to. Now, NPR has told them, Ireland's open for you, guys. Come on over. You might have a problem getting a meal in a restaurant, all right. It says, it talks about a restaurant in Galway where the owner was asking international customers to do what? Well, he was asking them, when did you get here? (laughs) And if they said, oh, should we get in yesterday? He'd say, well, I can't serve you. (laughs) Go away and isolate. And then he got hate mail, didn't he? He did, yeah. Yeah. But it's like the situation with wear a mask. For God's sake, that's a no-brainer, for God's sake. You're not, your civil rights are not being imp- imposed upon or any of that other crap. Pardon my French, sorry, I shouldn't say that on the radio. That's all right, but don't worry about it's, that. It's, 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 look at, you're doing it to protect your fellow man from you. And they should be all doing it to protect their fellow man from them. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
like I don't want to make this come across like a storm in a teacup, but there's hardly any international tourists in Ireland, really. I mean, everywhere I go, it's Irish and Northern Irish. Just not yeah. see the odd yeah. Spaniards, well, maybe, and stuff and, like and that. And there's but, plenty of English plates. And by the way, we passed England today. We're back worse than England. But now. I'm not so sure that those yellow plates are English. I think they're Northern Ireland. No, well, I know the difference because I lived in Dundalk for years. I know a northern plate from a southern plate. Now about here. No, I know a northern plate north. from a southern plate, but I don't know yeah. a northern Ireland plate from a from an English plate. That's the only thing. Do you ever, do you ever, do you ever come into town around about the time the ferry comes comes into? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm coming from Middleton side, right? Yeah. And I can see the English plates coming ahead of me. I from Rosslare. They're coming off the ferry. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're not all. And I, I know. I know you can buy a northern, you can buy an English car in Northern Ireland. I understand that. Believe me. But are you saying? Are you I saying in, that? In, are you saying we, a, we should lock down all borders? Is it? We shouldn't be allowing anybody to come in here f- for a period. Do you know? You make but travel, the sacrifice but, up front. But travel, it's a tiny proportion. Of COVID cases, well, I, tiny. Well, I live I live in in Shanagarry, right? Now, there's a well-known restaurant not two million miles away from me, and you know where I'm talking about, right? We were in there for our wedding anniversary a couple of weeks ago. There was American accents on all sides of us. Yes, how do you but, explain that? But how do you know they're not living here? How do you know they're not working here? That they have made Ireland their home? If they're staying there. They're not, well, I'm living here, right? So I understand where you're coming from there. But believe me, uh, these were people that were staying in the place. And that makes them American tourists. Okay, well, fair enough. That well, it, pretty, pretty much. Two, pretty 2% much. of two, 2% of COVID-19 is from foreign travel. 2%. Right. 2%. But if the 2% gives it to somebody who's in the community and the community you have community spread. Where does it, you know? Where does it all start? That's mm, the thing. Okay. All right. Okay. You know. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. Tom. Lines open. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six. All non-essential travel should be banned, says Teresa. But no, the inept government won't do that because they're protecting the airlines. And as usual, the people are collateral damage as they won't be able to claim cash refunds or vouchers if flights are cancelled. Ah, yes, I see the point you're making. They were warned about food processing plants. They choose to turn a blind eye to protect their billionaire and millionaire friends. Disgusting, they have compromised the health of the Irish people. Uh, There is, um, of course, a a little, uh, an amount of worry with regards to Cork Airport because of the, I mean, flights have just literally fallen off a cliff there. And it's being suggested that that Aer Lingus going forward uh, will operate a service, something along the lines of, um, one flight a day to Heathrow and three flights a week to Amsterdam and, and that's it one flight a day to Heathrow and three flights a week to Amsterdam what are you going to do you know if people aren't flying one would hope that when we come out of this there would be more destinations and more flights uh, but for now that's what possibly is being thought about or may have been announced already I'm not 100% sure it's what I heard at the weekend uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We'll jump back into that, and I want to get a lot of emails and texts on the air as well this side of midday. But uh, Rochelle, good morning. Morning, Neil. Lovely name. Is that what is that? Is it um, French, Spanish? <laughs> uh, who knows? My mother liked the name. But she, I was she, born 
in and around the same day as my grandfather, so he was richer. So she said, "Okay." It. Was there a Michelle in the family or anything? No, no, all Richards, really. Yeah. Okay, so the female equivalent to Richard is perhaps R I C H E W L E. Maybe. Anyway, it's a, it's a lovely name. So, thank you. Talk to me. What did you come across? Uh, no, I said I just text in when you were talking about it being amenities um, being up to, up to scratch um, there last Saturday. We myself, my husband, our 11 month old and our two year old, we were in Fitzgerald's Park. Um, my small fellow was on his balance bike. We've yet to kind of leave our kids play in the playground yet. Well, the small fellow to play in the playground yet. So we we're just. Uh, is it open now? Around. The last time I was up there some weeks back, it was all yeah. yellow taped off. So it's open again now. No, it was, it was open. Yeah. Um, okay. So we just went to, we spotted an ice cream van and sure, look, we said we'll get the small fella a cone. Got the cone, literally turned around, we spotted a bench and we were just kind of making our way over to it and I stopped and froze. Um, there was a massive rat on the bench. I told my husband and he looked over and he saw his friend underneath the bench and this was about five o'clock. Two massive rats. Well, yeah, well, the one was a massive rat, I don't know, but the last one I didn't even look over anymore. I just walked away, couldn't deal with it. Yeah. I have to tell you that the river runs right along by Yeah, Fist, it's know. very close. I'm sure look, that's where we touch still, but And that's um, where the rats live. Yeah. Yeah, you're always you just, it, you just pulled the short straw and happened to come across one. Oh god. Yeah. Just five o'clock in the day, like I was, I was and normally it's third park it's always like spotless. But um Anytime I've gone in there anyway, but yeah. I know, and, and I suppose the real risk... I was kind of itching all over, I was watching myself, you know, but... Well, uh, you have to wonder where people <laughs> would sit or where the rat peed and with well, children like, playing. That, that, that was the one thing, I suppose, that sickened me the most is that behind that bench was a ditch and behind that ditch then was the play park, you know, so it was very close, like, but um, yeah. People I just need to be aware... You know? And I know that we, we kind of looked behind when we had gone and we saw another fella, he was kind of coming down, walking down that path. And he also spotted us. He was kind of in over the bench looking to see, could he say it again? But um, yeah, seconds, just five o'clock in the day on a Saturday. And you know about wheels disease, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it's a like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it could be anywhere. With the I know. It's very unfortunate, but being near a river... That's yeah. just the reality of it. But yeah, you wouldn't want one of the yeah. kids to, people should just be aware, you wouldn't want them being bitten by a rat. No, no, yeah. no, not at all. No, no. Yeah. So I said I'd just let you know. And was that, uh, the end, was that the end of your day out then? Did you go home? Well, I tell you, we kind of do something that in the evening after the nap. So we said, you know, we'll make our way up to the city and we kind of went for a walk around there and a small fellow was cycling away so he was. But, um, I know, yeah, I know. Kind of and I have to say, you are right. Some of them can be absolutely huge. Yeah, yeah, huge. But like, we did check the hut, and there was nobody there to report it. And I suppose I should have got on to the city council or something after. But look, I'm sure there's those from around. But I'm not sure. That's the area there. they gather in. I'm afraid because of yeah, the river. Yeah, yeah, Just, yeah. but it's good of you to call in because people should no be problem. aware and on alert at all times. Yeah. 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 Thanks, yeah. Rochelle. Thank you so much. Thanks, Take Thanks. care. Bye. <laughs> Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Starting our conversations uh, around Cara House on Friday's program, and remember, there's a vigil this week. It's uh, the vigil's Wednesday, isn't it? Seven o'clock. I'll tell you more details about that um, as to whether it will close or not. I hope that um, you know a public outcry and support from the public will reverse that decision. I was listening to a show on Friday. I listened to the podcast. It broke my heart hearing about Cara House and all the stories about it. I have no connection to Cara House. 
uh, nor do I know anybody in there. But we should all be doing what we can to keep it open. I'm listening to you from Canada and I'm from North Cork myself. I was just wondering, and maybe you could tell me, is there any fundraising uh, to be put together for Cara House, it, I might it might try to do a few. Th- I might try to do a few things to raise money and donate, uh, but will that actually make any difference? I'm just afraid. Uh, perhaps will the money go to good use? I'm not going to be raising thousands or anything like that. But if I raise money, I just want to make sure it ends up where it will make a difference. Well, to answer your question, I don't know whether there's any fundraising right now. It's about causing call you know causing as much public awareness as possible that elderly people, vulnerable people are going to be turfed out of their homes. And then Sean, uh, who's a cool Maine resident up around Holly Hill, wrote to the Taoiseach, I'm contacting you uh, in our efforts to keep Mount Cara Nursing Home open. The residents of the home are small in number and are more like an extended family unit as opposed to individual residents. The closure of this home would be an absolute crime against the most vulnerable in our community. And I'm quite sure that you do not want such a closure to be the first controversial occurrence of your term in office in your own county. Uh, Closing a COVID-19 free nursing home at this time is a step backwards, not only in our fight against the virus, but also against care in the community. There's no justifiable reason to close this badly needed facility. Um, It passed a HICWA inspection. I'm asking you to do the right thing here by whatever means available to you to keep this nursing home open. Uh, Yours sincerely, Sean uh, Healy. And he sent me a copy of that letter to Michal Martin. Let's see what kind of a response he gets to it. Um, And then I sincerely hope, Neil, that woman you had on air last week who's holidaying in Lanzarote is having a great time. Both of you had a fantastic laugh on Thursday morning. Uh, I hope you cop on and start telling people uh, that are or will break COVID-19 rules that they are wrong. She told you that she wouldn't isolate when she comes home and you let her off. Uh, Last week uh, and the weekend's figures might just change the doubters' minds and hopefully they'll start listening to the experts. People don't realise that even though patients with COVID that are released from hospital are deemed recovered, they will have major health issues for months and some for years after this. Uh, the National Health Emergency Board should be left to do their job and not have the interference from business communities or some elected representatives. It's not only meat factories and direct provision centres with the problem, as you are suggesting. Construction sites are closing. Sporting clubs are closing. And so are creches, says Tina. So that's uh, another person unhappy with my handling of my conversation with uh, um, people on sun holidays from last week. My husband knows a guy that hasn't been away on holiday for the last six years as they couldn't afford it. But this year they went to Spain as they got such a good deal. They got flights for 500 euro and accommodation for 500 euro for the week. And that was for a family of four. Uh, The thing is, he's not telling his boss that he's going to Spain as he will be made to stay out of work for two weeks and his wife the same. He's a sales rep calling into places in Cork. She works in a large supermarket. I'm so angry and I feel like picking up the phone myself and ringing the companies they work to tell them. If they get the virus, the amount of people that could affect, be affected by because they're traveling around from one store to another would be frightening when they come back from Spain, says Amanda. Now, I don't know whether you intend to call their workplaces and tell them what they're doing, whether you're going to be a whistleblower or not. But I would like to know by text. Uh, text 0868104106. Should Amanda intervene, pick up the phone, report both, he's a rep and she works in a supermarket, 
report both, both to their bosses saying that they're going to Spain and they're not going to isolate or do any of the right things they've been told to do when they come back. Should she make those calls or not? Text 0868104106. All right. Now, just a fast one um, while all that's happening and lots more besides with regards to the Gardaí stop and, sh- stop and search. Martin. Hello. Um, Hello, Neil. So this is, there was a chap on, up around Wellington Road, I think, uh, at the yeah. weekend who was stopped. The guards pulled him over. They got out of their car, stopped him, started searching him. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold then he removed his trousers now either he voluntarily yeah. did it or the guards told them to do it and mm-hmm. that, that prompted some concern I'm concerned actually as well about Gardy well, just, just stopping people from, on- from my own personal experience Neil I can give you a rundown from around 15 years onwards um, I grew up in a kind of socially disadvantaged area and my first stop and search would have been at around 15 and I would have got her up till I was about 18 around 15 searches in total and not once was there ever any drugs found on my possession say the first time I was stopped and searched it goes into this pulse system and then every time after that if, if the guards stop you on the side of the road your name is taken and they, they run the name and if there's a previous of being searched then automatically you're getting searched again you know um, I had my pants removed also um, in searches on the main on the main road not my underwear but my pants yeah. ah yeah well hang on a second now because this is very important how long ago was it? Um, I'm talking I'm 36 now so you're talking that's over like 20 years ago so 20 years ago yeah. a member of the Guardi asked you or you asked offered? Me, yeah asked me but I was so young I felt I was obliged to do what he said no I didn't take the matter any further but it happened Oh, like what kind of what kind of words were used? Um, I was basically searched under the drugs act, and I was I was told to pull down my trousers. He didn't pull them down. I put, I, I was told to pull them down, and I pulled them down, and and they were down around my ankles, and I was standing there on my underwear. Well, but um, wait, on on the side of the road on a footpath yeah. in a public area. On, in a public area, yeah, on a footpath. Of the north side. South side. South side. It says here, it's all it's all down to the area I grew up in. I grew up on the north side, but this incident happened on the south side. Okay. This happened on the south side. Yeah. And then, yeah. when your trousers are done around your ankles, what happens next? Um, they don't find any drugs, and you're told to go on. But sure, that's just to humiliate you. The drugs would be yeah. in your underpants. Yeah. Would they be able to tell then, or something? They like they could they could bring the search further and bring you down to the station and strip search you completely. But I think they would, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, red tape around bringing an under eighteen into um, a guard station for a strip search. And how old were you when that happened? Fifteen, is it? Fifteen, yeah, fifteen years old. Martin, Martin, Martin. That's yeah. That's all wrong. But you see, Neil, like the guards, the local guards will know you and they know the local youths. And if they stop them once and if you put into the system once, it becomes a regular thing. And it, it, it just becomes a domino effect every time they, they see and if you're hanging around the corner or like and in, in public areas, um, you're stopped again automatically. But were you ever caught in any of those searches and you say Never there were once. multiples? Were you, did you ever have Never drugs? Once. Never. Never once. And I have I have loads of entries in that pulse system currently. Now, now that I can't see myself, but 
I have loads of entries in that system of being searched under the Misuse of Drugs Act. How do you know that? Because I've, I, I started driving when I was 17 years old and I can remember being pulled over when I was 17 in my car in, in the same area and the guards pulled me over, asked me my name, took my licence and I could hear them over the, over the actual, the, um, their, their communication device, whatever it was, uh, doing, a, doing a name check and they're doing a name check and it comes, it comes back, intelligence, 14 intelligence on him. 14 intelligence means like they had 14 previous stops with me, you know. But that's exactly the worry that I was flagging earlier on this morning. Yeah. That there would, be pulse, there would be pulse records of somebody who was innocently stopped. Yeah. But you're associated straight away to drugs, Neil, even though you're not caught with any drugs. But why, why did they pick you? Uh, Neil, it wasn't just me. It was uh, more or less the area. Everybody, everybody was getting the same thing happening to, to them, to be honest with you. But, it was the but area. The, is all of that information still on a pulse system of young fellas oh, who yeah. are innocently stopped? Everything when you're when you're entered into the pulse system, it stays there for the rest of your life, as far as I'm sure. But surely you should be within your rights to have that deleted. I'm actually looking into it, Neil. I'm actually looking into. I went on to do. I went on to um, do um, get my degree in UCC, and I don't want that information on the pulse system about me when I was never involved in any crime, like, drugs, or anything like no, that. Of course you don't, on a load of different yeah. levels. But if you ever wanted or needed a job that needed guard clearance, how would it affect yeah. that? Well, it won't, if it won't affect guard clearance unless you're convicted. But um, they can use their discretion if it's a friend of looking for information. They can say, hey, yeah, this guy was searched, all right, but there was nothing, you know, found ever. No, I don't know about that. In defence of the Gardaí, I think a member of the Gardaí Shikana would be committing... Um, it would be, yeah. Would be, committing career, be. would be committing career suicide, for want of a better term, if he logged into Pulse to check on someone. Well, that has... Like, like you can look up online, Neil, and you'll see that there was uh, civil servants who worked in guard stations that were doing it, and they were convicted in court for it. Is that right? Well, there you go. Yeah. They got, well, they were convicted in court for it because... They were convicted in court for snooping. They were using... Like, they were using... I think the term used was... The pulse system was being used as a social media network for, for these people. Ah, that's nuts. So it didn't yeah. come to a, any surprise to you when you heard that a fella who is known to homeless services in the city no taking his whatsoever. pants down on Wellington Road on Saturday. No surprise whatsoever. I'm just surprised. Well, I am surprised the fact that it's going on 20 years later that it happened to me. But it's no surprise. I'm not surprised that it has happened. Not, at all, not one bit. Well, I've asked Garda Press for a response to that incident on Saturday. But I do know because we just Googled it a while ago. A Garda can ask you to stop at any time. In certain circumstances, such as when you're driving, you must stop if asked by a Garda. A Garda can search you without your consent. If the Garda has reasonable suspicion that you have committed an offence, this includes people under the age of 18, the Garda should tell you why you are being searched. But I don't believe that reasonable suspicion that you've committed an offence is because of where you live. Yeah, well, that's, like, what was the reasonable, uh, like, suspicion of me having drugs first day is what I'd like to even know. Or, or the second time, or the third time, or the fourth time, or the tenth, or the fifteenth time. What was the suspicion of me having drugs? Because I had no association to drugs whatsoever. But I was 
tarnished and associated to drugs for my previous stops and searches. So the domino effect, the first it's one led to the effect. second yeah. and the third, and then you were yeah. known to Gardaí, and then of, all known. of a sudden they did have reasonable suspicion because you were stopped innocently before, but they, of course... Yeah. That's correct, totally correct. And it, it's not good for the individual, Neil, because it, it highlights the, the individual in their, their community in a negative way. Like, because the Gardaí, if, if you're seen in your local area being searched by the guards, automatically, Neil, people are thinking the worst. Did you tell your folks, though, that you had to take your trousers down? No, I didn't at the time, to be honest. Because I thought myself when I was a child sure. that I would get in trouble. I but Martin, trouble if, home, if my know? son, or I mean, does it, would it happen to girls as well? No, I I've never heard of it happen to, happening to girls, to be honest, no. But should they take drugs? They, they're drug dealers. They carry drugs uh, for drug dealers. They're, they're mules. Usually male, male guards in, um, on the beach, you know, and they can't, it's against the law for them to search females. Just like it's against the law for female guards to search males. You know? Garda can ask you to stop at any time. Um, Garda can search you without your consent if a guard has reasonable suspicion that you've committed an offence. Okay, that's the law. Yeah. There's nothing I can if do. You, if you refuse, if you refuse, um, the next step is you have to go with them voluntarily, or not voluntarily. You have to go with them for strip search to the station, which is your rights also. I think you know. Well, a strip search should only be done in private. In private, not, yeah. Not. How many times does that happen to you? A strip search? No, the trousers down on the side of the street. That'll happen once. Okay, just the once. How did, how did yeah. it make you feel? Absolutely horrific. It was, it was a, I felt that I was the one that was actually in the wrong. I was made feel that way, you know, the way the guard came across to me. Like. I, was one that I, I felt that, oh yeah, it was, it was humiliating, but I, I felt, because I was young, that I, that I was the one that was in the wrong there. Which I wasn't. No, I know I wasn't. Like, and you know? did you did you say anything? Like, no, why, no. Why are you doing this? I've done nothing wrong. I've oh yeah, I did. I did. I actually went and made a complaint once um, when I was about eighteen. I think because it was harassment at that stage, you know. And I didn't go through with it in the end, but I did go down and, and made a uh, yeah. complaint. Yeah. But I didn't follow through with it. And when did it stop? It stopped when I moved out of the area. Apart from the fact that there is still a track on trust on pulse of yours, oh, I'm definitely still on pulse, and I'm looking into trying to get, you know get access to that and see what it, you know what is actually under. I'm trying to get get rid of it. You should, Martin. Yeah, you should really. Because um, if I'm driving to um, a shopping centre with my partner Neil, right, and my register ran by the guards behind me, you know, it comes up. Even if it's twenty years ago, it comes up. Intelligence fifteen, sixteen, or twenty, or whatever it may be, from all those years ago. Oh, that's Straight very away, sad. That's they have a person of interest in front of them, you know? So you're always kind of half suspicious when you're out and about yeah, or when you're right. driving a car because yeah. you're car yeah. I'm flagged. I'm flagged. Even though I'm innocent, I'm flagged. But it hasn't and happened in a long time. No, it hasn't. But it, hasn't it happened to me about three or four years ago. They, I was stopped in a random um, checkpoint and they ran the reg. They came at me with 101 questions about... Um, have I ever be, have I been in trouble since years ago? And have I ever got caught with anything? And all this carry and uh, am I associating with this and that person and all this? And you know, it was humiliating. 
can't you can't really blame that guard because they're just seeing the records that others put in down yeah. through the years. But did you That's ever true. feel like saying, why are you doing this? You're ruining my life since I was 15 years old. I have never broken the law. You'll get nowhere, Neil. You'll get absolutely nowhere by saying that to the guard on the side of the road. You'll actually get nowhere. Better off just letting him do the job and letting him get on and get out No, that's martial law. That's that's martial law, pal. Like, if a guard pulls me, you're better off being cooperative with him. Cooperate with him. Because if you don't cooperate with him, you're going to make trouble for yourself. But how are you going to make trouble for yourself? You're not a lawbreaker. Uh, Like, they can make things difficult for you if they want to, Neil, you know? I think that's heartbreaking. I really do. I yeah, just, that's you know. what that's the reality of it. And a lot of the teenagers under 18 these days, when they are being stopped and searched, they're not going home telling their parents at all because, in in case they're going home, and the parents think that he's been stopped and searched. Like you know, what's he up to? What are you doing? What are you doing to be saying that you're being stopped and searched? When absolutely, you know, it's just it's just a part of what happens in society. So it could be know? many parents out there whose children, at some stage in their life. Yeah, um, were stopped, entered into Pulse, and they're still yeah. in there as being stopped under suspicion 100%. of drugs. Oh, and their parents won't even know. All right. Yeah, that's fact. Yeah. All right, listen, um, let me know how you get on with having all that stuff oh, deleted, well, you know. you know. No problem, mate. All right. Thanks, Martin. Appreciate all right, it. Cheer. Take care. Take care. Um, ah, that's, that's heartbreaking. I was searched in Cove on front, on, in front of a load of tourists by the cathedral last summer. I was told to remove all my tops, my shoes and socks. Guards checked around my underwear. If I didn't let them search me, I was going to be arrested, they said. So we'll pick up on that and lots more besides. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. All right, couple got a good deal going to Spain. Uh, a grand for the week for a family of four. That's not bad. I mean, there's better deals around, I'd say, but that's not bad. But they're coming back after the week and they are not informing their employees. One works in a supermarket and the husband works as a rep calling into a lot of different businesses. Should Amanda phone the bosses and let them know or not? Yes, Amanda should ring their employees. No, Amanda should mind her own business. Another, mind your own business. Another, yes, definitely report them. They have every right to put themselves in harm's way, but not others. Yes, you should report them. Um, the lady should report them. So, so far, more reports than don't report. Another one here, mind your own business. Don't phone the bosses. Get a life. Get on with your own life, uh, selfish woman. Yes, I think she should ring both companies and tell them. It isn't fair for the public or staff members to be put at risk because they are so selfish to do what's asked of them. A girl from my own hometown came back from Turkey a couple of weeks ago and was out getting her eyelashes done two days after returning. Turkey not even being on the green list. She should have been self-isolating instead of roaming the town. So selfish. Uh, Morning. Amanda, the curtain twitcher, should mind her own business. How willing are we all to march off into a police state? That's where we're heading with conversations like this. Instead of holding those responsible for the mishandling of the pandemic, we're entering a time of hysteria whipped up by a corrupt media where neighbour is spying upon neighbour and brother spying on sister. Is this the world we want to live in? Is this the world we want the next generation to inherit? Alas, it's the sheep who will follow the shepherd. Fair play to Richie. Passionate stuff. Get it off your chest. 
Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. The story in the Echo today of a six-year-old Cork boy who's completed a mammoth cycling challenge. He raised over, uh, in, he cycled over 130 kilometres to raise awareness and to raise money for Shine, Sunnis and the Rainbow Club. And I just wanted to give him a shout out to him and all of his family and his friends, but particularly to him, Harry O'Hanlon from Kinsale, diagnosed with autism when he was three, just completed three years of early intervention and now wants to give back to those who helped him. He's about to start primary school in Kinsale. He'll start next month and he did a big cycle of 130 kilometres and some great photographs with the thumbs up and everything down Kinsale Way in this morning's Echo and it's a lovely story to see. He's a superhero. He's a bit like 007 James Bond. See that story in the papers today? Oh my God, paper never refuses ink, does it? But the latest survey now um, and the question being asked was who was the greatest Bond ever? Who was the best James Bond? Apparently, it was Sean Connery. He was the best of them. Um, you might be interested to know that uh, Pierce Brosnan came in third. Uh, but apparently, Sean Connery was number one. It was a Radio Times pool. In a series of rounds, Connery was the favourite. In came Daniel Craig, second, and then Pierce Brosnan. After that, George Lazenby, Timothy Dalton, and poor old Roger Moore. You would have thought that Roger Moore would have been higher up that list, but no. But number one, Sean Connery. Few enough people could disagree with that, although on a personal level, not that I wish to become overly personal, I always thought uh, that uh, Pierce Brosnan was the best brand of them all until Daniel Craig came along. And now I can't make up my mind. Anyway. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. On a serious note, morning Neil. I'm a male. I have been searched by a female guard. In spite of what Martin says, I'm male. Searched by a female guard. I questioned this, and I was told that it was perfectly legal. We were searched at least twice a week in Ballancolic between the ages of fourteen and twenty. Says Rob. I understand why the guardy have to be able uh, to check on people if they have very very reasonable suspicions that an offence has been committed. Um, but unfortunately, if they, in the case of Martin, it ends up like harassment 10, 15, 20 times throughout his life. And he's never found anything. My big issue with all of that is the information being entered in pulse. Anyway, I shall await a response from Garda Press on that. If it's not satisfactory, I will go back to them again um, and uh, be more specific as to, uh, you know... Uh, the type of route they go down when they stop someone um, and why they ask people to pull their trousers down in public. Well, let's see what they have to say on that matter. But you know what today should be? Today should be the day, because it is today, the 10th of August, that all of the pubs throw open their doors round about now, actually. It's kind of opening time, isn't it? Janice O'Callaghan has the residence bar on Blarney Street. Janice, good morning. Good morning, me. It is 11 o'clock, is it, or half 10? Which is it? Uh, half ten is the official opening time. A lot of pubs don't open until later in the day, but half ten is the official opening Okay, so open. technically they could be open by now if everything had gone right. If everything had gone right. <laughs> and an awful lot of businesses, of course, got all sorts of help that you guys are getting, like VAT reduction and things like that. But they're open and you're not. So I don't understand why bars don't get some sort of compensation to be forced to stay closed. I have absolutely no idea. No other business in Ireland, Neil, has been legislated against or litigated against as a common pub. No pub, no other business has been discriminated against to the point of mass closure. So I just don't understand it either. 
Thank you for your email, but rather than me reading it out, I appreciate you coming on air. You're ready and willing and able, but of course... That's right, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Did you put a lot of work into the residence bar to get ready for today that never happened? Yes, like many other publicans around the country, we've put in uh, screens between all our tables. We've completely screened off our counter area so our, our, our workers and ourselves will be completely safe behind there. We put in sanitation stations. We uh, blocked off some of our toilet areas. We uh, did uh, online courses on COVID. Um, we prepared for info um, gathering. Um, we've completely sanitised the bar from top to bottom. Um, we're prepared to do anything, really. And how does it feel now, walking around it, with all of that work done? It must feel like a real slap in the face. It's a complete slap in the face to the industry. We're the only people who can't get on with our lives. Three and a half thousand bars in Ireland remain shut, and that's 25,000 workers who are out of work. As I said in my email, this is a major thing coming down the line. What the bars being closed doesn't just affect the workers in the bars. You have you have the taxi drivers at night, you have the chippers, you have the people who go to get their hair done before they go. Right literally to people going in town to buy a new top. You have, you have people who, handymen who go around bars, paint them. It's The list goes on and on and on. It is not but just if you the threw bars up, themselves. But if you threw up a toasted ham and cheese with a fistful of chips, you can get your doors open. Why haven't you done that? I can, but unfortunately I'm just a local bar and I cannot ask my local patrons who come in every day, such as, such as you know, some of the old age pensioners that come in for one or two pints, I cannot expect them every day of the week to pay nine euro. They wouldn't be able to do it. They wouldn't be able to afford it. And I, they, they shouldn't have to do it. Why should a toasted sandwich protect you from COVID-19? That's not the first time I've heard that one. They talk about pubs where people would be close up and after a few drinks, caution would go out the window, you see. That's what they're saying. Well, once again, as I said in my email, publicans are perfectly capable of managing their crowds. That's what we do day in and day out. We manage our crowds. Unlike the household parties that are going on 24 hours a day in some parts of the city, we control our crowds. We manage what's happening in the bar. And if people are giving us grief, they are asked to leave. And that's what will happen with the COVID situation if we're allowed to open. Yeah, what you know, when people talk of she-beans and you mention them, I know a lot of people are having house parties where they have large amounts of people. And of course, young people have been getting an awful lot of criticism for some of their carry-on. A lot of people then have put in their own bars and, you know, converted sheds and what have you. But what's a she-bean? Well... Uh, when you go back to the Licensing Act, and some of them go back as far as 1685, there was actually the Lord's Day Act. It allowed policemen, to first-time policemen, to enter pubs and to evict people of a Sunday for drinking. Now, as I say, this is 2020, and the, the police cannot go into these shabines where people are allowed to. There is no, there is no standards. There is no age discrimination. There is no quality control. There's no fire standards, nothing. That's what qualifies as shebeen, in my opinion. So a shebeen would be something in someone's house, is it? Or a shed or something? Well, I presume anyone who can serve that, they, they basically they go in and they drink all day long out the back. I know, I, I can imagine at this stage, there's not a palace left in Ireland. If you go on Facebook every day of the week, look at my COVID project and all the bars are out the back. These are unlicensed, unregulated. And have they kegs and uh, optics and yes, things? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes. Completely. You must have seen them yourself, me, everyone else. I saw, I saw a few. I saw a few. I just don't know how prevalent they are. That's why I'm asking you. So, would, well, you would, should go and make a house a home and you'll see them every, every second person. As I said, there mustn't be a palace available in Ireland at okay. this stage. So would they be charging? 
I have no idea about that, but there's shortly some enterprising person who will do that. And you've heard also of some pubs that are, as we say, acting the maggot and uh, giving out. That on, I didn't say that on my email. No, you didn't. I'm saying it. I'm saying All right. it. Where they're, uh, even at the weekend, I heard again of people with receipts in their pocket in case a guard comes in. You know? I don't know, but I find in general, publicans can be, are very responsible people. We, you know, for, for years, were responsible for our customers. Why would we put our livelihoods at risk? If people are doing this, I'd imagine they're just in the minority. Oh, okay. I'm not saying it's a majority or anything, but, it, but it must add to your annoyance, though, those kind of stories. Oh, without a doubt. The fact that, uh, I mean, the people who are actually bringing these rules, they're actually cre- they actually created a vacuum. Now, anyone in marketing will tell you if you, want to, if you want to create a demand for something, you lessen the availability of a product. So they have actually reduced the times where people can drink they have reduced the, the, the amount of areas where they can drink. So obviously people will congregate more in these areas. Whereas the obvious thing they should do, they should open up all the bars and, if anything, open them earlier and longer. And then you believe then that it will spread out, spread it will spread people out more because there'd be three and a half thousand more places to go. Yes, I yeah. do. I, I, I mean... The, the pub business has been under threat for years. I mean, this is, the, this is absolutely the final nail in the coffin for a lot of them. Yeah, because airports are open. Uh, people could, if they wished, go on holidays. Others could come in here if they wished to come in here. Um, um, pubs who wanted to serve food, started serving food, to be allowed to be able to serve drink. It doesn't seem to have caused any problems, by and large. Um, well, apparently uh, there was, uh, and I, I, I'm, I couldn't be definite, but I did say it today on that apparently the um, HSC have, have come out and said that there were no cases reported back from open pubs or restaurants. Yeah, there you go. I mean, the Irish pub is copied around the world. You'll find it in Russia, China. Uh, but they try to copy it, but they can't do they it. They try to, but unfortunately our government is trying to get rid of it. We're being legislated out of existence. I mean, some of the pubs, they they made it through. They made it through the famine, the civil war, World War One, World War Two, the troubles, the black and tans, the recessions, the burning of Cork, and now this government, who are by the way gone and hardened, just will not allow us to do what we are professional at. Like it's the only industry really that's being forced closed, but yet you're not getting any compensation for it. Oh, it's complete discrimination against our industry. It's it's unbelievable, especially when especially when we're prepared to do everything possible to minimise the risks to our, our, to our customers. I mean, we, we voluntarily closed. We voluntarily closed our doors because we realised we couldn't control it until we had all the facts on what to do about it. Mm. Now we have the facts and now we have put the things in place that will allow us to open up and hopefully stop this from spreading. When do you hope that will be? Well, I'd hope to open you know, tomorrow if, if they let us go. But unfortunately, the people who are supposed to be running the government are not running the country. It seems to be the health authorities. And I don't, uh, to be honest, I don't think they have much um, confidence in them when you think of what they did to the old people. I mean, anybody with a child who's been in contact with a virus keeps a child at home and but, doesn't send them into a nursery. But if we hear, if we people. hear, no, I know about the nurseries. Uh, I know about the, um, the residential care settings. That was absolutely shocking. We now know of the meat plants and the food processing plants where people are up close and working under fairly difficult conditions. 
Is there any similarity then with a the pub and that, I wonder? There kind of is, isn't there? That's the only fear. I personally wouldn't believe so, no. I, from what I can gather, and obviously I have no connection with the meat industry and I have, I have no experience of going into one, but publicans have their publicans have their customer safety foremost in their minds, and especially at this time. We want our customers to come back. We want them to feel safe. We want them to enjoy the environment of the bar in a safe Manner. I've heard of another couple of Cork pubs over the weekend that aren't going to reopen. Uh, undoubtedly, there will be more. Isn't that true? Oh, that without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, what's next? Um, are you appealing? Are you asking people to support the pub industry? To rally for them? Do what? I don't know what to ask, to be honest, but the pubs need to open. We need to open. We need our jobs back. As I say, three and a half thousand premises are closed. It is outrageous that we that, that this has happened and everyone has swanned off on holidays. A lot of people think actually there'd be a lot more responsible drinking in pubs than at home, wouldn't there? Well, of course there is. That's why that's why the the intoxication liquor acts were brought in. They are to control the environment. Mm. We say when when you can drink, how long you can drink, what age you are when you drink, what condition you are before you are, before you can drink or yeah, yeah. can't drink. Yeah, I know. The, these pubs are a controlled environment for drink. And how long, can, can you survive indefinitely or, or do you mind me asking? No business can survive indefinitely, no way. We've been closed five months and as I say, we voluntarily closed. We voluntarily closed, realising we couldn't control it at that moment without risk assessment. Now all that has been done and we are prepared to open with sanitation stations, with screens, extra staff for cleaning, extra staff for collecting information. We are ready and willing and able to go, as I said in the email. Okay, all right. Listen, thanks for taking the call, Janice. Regards to you all at the residence bar and who knows what the coming weeks and months might bring. I have no idea. But good to talk nonetheless. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. You might ask everyone to share the email. It might eventually get to the, the eyes of someone well, who might take there you any go. Notes. That's a good idea. Let's do that on our own social media platforms and ask others to share it by checking out ours. Janice O'Callaghan from the residence bar on Blarney Street. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 1850-104-106, Red FM. When I, talk about, when I talk about meat plants, I'm not necessarily just talking about meat plants that produce meat for human consumption. Also, one of them actually was a, a dog food plant that, that made pet food with meat. So that's also been closed and it's been closed for a couple of weeks now because of an outbreak and that's not going to reopen uh, today either. So not all of them are for human consumption, but some are, uh, well, one for for certain dog meat. Can I just say, while we talk about the residence bar being closed, um, I just want to wish them all the very best to look at the, the chateau, the Lee Chateau, as we call it, Le Chateau on Patrick Street, because um, that reopens today. There's an article in Cork Bio this morning that says it's the only bar on Patrick Street and it survived the burning of Cork, which devastated the street a hundred years ago. I think to some extent, I think the Chateau was lucky to have been on that side of the street. It was the other side primarily. Got absolutely hammered by the Tantons, but that's for another day. So the Reedy family reopened for business today. They've been shut down since early March, like a lot of the other pubs, when the pandemic, as, the, as Cork Bio says this morning, the pandemic suddenly shut down much of the life of the city centre. I think a lot of people will be happy that the Chateau's back open. The inside is absolutely gorgeous, but they've got a fabulous outside area as well. And if the weather is good, then it's a lovely place to be outside on the uh, terrace. You get a bit of sunshine there and a bit of food and a drink. So that's good news, isn't it? Well done. And hi, Dan and Mick and all of the staff. We wish you well. 
Good to have you open again. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Paddy, good morning. Neil, now while I'm awaiting a response from Garda Press with regards to some of the topics dealt with regarding stop and search this morning and uh, the operation of the Pulse system, uh, what's on your mind regarding all that? Well, the, the Pulse system itself, you see, I, I'm, I'm wondering if it's repugnant to the Constitution, really, because um, we have something in this island that we have uh, 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 the constitutional right to, to personal liberty is called. That's a constitutional right we have. It's protected by the Constitution. Yeah, I only read the Constitution. No, I actually didn't read the Constitution. I read the proclamation again last week. It's an incredible document. It's very, very straightforward. It's written here in black and and white. You know, it's no citizen shall be deprived of his personal liberty, save in accordance with law. Now, the save in accordance with law part is naturally enough um, important. I mean, it says, it's the same law that says all citizens are, you know, as human persons shall be held equal before the law, for example. So that means if you are to be stopped and searched, the person that's doing the searching is equal to you to start with. And they must invoke the law first to be able to search you legally. But they have done because laws have been passed to permit a guard to search you without consent if they have reasonable suspicion that you've committed an offence. And and I think we as citizens want that, don't we? Okay, that's fine. You know, that reasonable suspicion. Or, or don't we? To, to, to be searched. Yeah, yeah okay, we, we do. We, we do, you know. It's, uh, but this is the part I'm getting to, you see, is that reasonable to invoke the law I mean it's there's too much power in this case if they can just stop you on a whim basically you know without any reason you must have a reason for stopping somebody and searching and I read another part of the same law yeah it says that the state shall in particular I, I, I repeat in particular the state shall in particular by its laws protect as best it may from unjust attack and in the case of injustice done indicate the life, person, and good name and property rights of every citizen. So, in the case where the gentleman that you were good, talking... His good name, his good name, stopped, yeah. Exactly. The first time he was stopped, they invoked the law, very loosely, if I may say so, but invoked the law, and uh, found that he had not broken any law. So, the immediate uh, 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 thing they should have done was uh, to vindicate his good name. Instead, they did it 14 more times. And he says, and others beforehand have said, enter that information into a Pulse database system that records it. Exactly, so, so now we have the state yeah, itself. The state itself is, is, is the one that is, uh, that is denying you your right. Your, 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 your right to liberty. Um. If somebody stopped and searched um, and they found that they have nothing on them, I wonder, should the guard apologise? Yes. You yes, according to the Constitution, they should. Not only should they apologise, they should make they should clear their, their, make sure that they have cleared their good name. But That's we do but, but we do want the guard to have powers to stop um, and search known yes, with, criminals, yes, drug dealers. With good, with good reason. Invoking the law. Not just randomers because they look dodgy, kind of. Exactly. Okay. Now, what you have is they don't like the look of somebody passing along. That is not invoking the law. That is not good enough for you. What is that? Is that harassment then? Or, or what That's is har- it? Yes, that is harassment. Okay. That is, that is the, the state denying me my right to walk freely. 
You know, that is my right. They're depriving me of my personal liberty. Okay. That's what they're doing. All right. Just something to think about, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Passionate stuff. Thank you, Paddy. By text as well and agreed to come on air. I do appreciate that. Text 086-8104-106. Search warrants are a different day's work entirely. I mean, I, I get the search warrant thing and it has to go through a district court judge or I think maybe a peace commissioner as well. Uh, when the guard makes an oath that he or she has reasonable cause for believing uh, that a crime's been or is about to be committed, then you can get a search warrant and, and things like that. So when I get an update on that, I will come back to it. Writing to inform you that one of the staff members who works in a shop near the city returned from a three-week holiday on Saturday and has not self-isolated themselves. Staff member also doesn't wear a mask. I think people should be made aware of this fact, as many people who are going to a local shop may think it's safer than a bigger supermarket. I would be concerned for the well-being of shoppers who are unaware of this and I think they should be made aware of it so they can avoid these types of shops if they don't feel safe. Um, like if somebody goes away for three weeks holidays, right, to a sun destination that's not even on a green list and they come back into work with a suntan the following Monday morning. What do their staff members and colleagues say to them? Like, surely that's the first port of call in that regard. And I know people claim that it's, um, you know, the holiday police or, or back to the... Uh, twitching curtain brigade. Uh, why is Lanzarote becoming one of the safest tourist destinations in Europe? I can tell you, here are three safe reasons why you should visit the islands, or at least can. One, compare the case numbers. The Canary Islands have kept one of the lowest infection rates in Spain and in Europe. The second reason, insurance. The government of the island has signed an agreement for one year with the insurance company AXA in order to cover medical expenses uh, or an extended stay in case of infection. And three, their tracing app. They will implement the COVID-19 radar infection tracing app in the second half of August after a one-month trial. And that's from Julian Fair, who runs Finnegan's Wake Bar in Lanzarote and has been on with us on a number of occasions in the past. Morning, there are people giving out about Americans and tourists coming into Ireland. Maybe the people in Lanzarote don't want us. If their cases are so low, they must be raging at foreigners coming into their land. Um, another person suggests, let's see how people feel when Cork gets locked down in two months' time. Um, many of the people on the air are questionable. One guy particularly on the air with you is a moron. My wife, daughter and I were due to travel to Portugal at the weekend, but we will not travel as we're advised not to do so. I will eventually get a refund for the hotel, but the chances of a refund from Ryanair are zilch. And one more for now. Don't mind Lanzarote. You're here with me in beautiful uh, Ballybunion. And we're having our coffee sitting on the beach Listening to you right now, says Margaret Hayes. That's lovely. How much was the coffee in Ballybunion? I tell you what, the bottled beer and the shots of whiskey are very dear. <laughs> anyway, the anyway. Morris, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, so what we do know now, of course, is that uh, meat plants, meat factories, not just for human consumption, but also animal pet food, are a problem. Yeah. Yes, big problem. Um, they're very prone to, uh, to to disease, and I can't understand why the government haven't shut down the whole lot of them, given the, the, given the explosions of disease that have taken place. Now they've shut other things down across the board, like schools and pubs, um, and I think it's pure hypocrisy for that to be going on. We've, we heard we heard of Michal Martin last week telling us that all other concerns are secondary to stopping this disease, and what it looks like to me is that special interests are the most important interest of all. That they're kind of pussyfooting on around small little things that make very little difference while not addressing the bigger issue where the big amounts of testing positive is happening. 
Absolutely. Um, I, I can't see the slightest justification for keep, keeping open places that are very prone to disease. We've heard report after report Thank about meat practice. Go ahead. No, it's just that I, I have pages and pages and pages of people either supporting people who go on sun holidays or criticising and shouting and roaring, but nobody's saying anything about meat factories. Yes, uh, I think special interests are a play there. And we, we also heard Michal Martin saying uh, last week uh, that that's, that's the, the rugby stars, you know, rugby stars and uh, people who are professional athletes, uh, they will be given dispensations um, to, 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 towards this whole this whole COVID business, they're, they're going to be they're going to be chiselled out uh, as exceptions. I, I think it's incredible hypocrisy, and it seems to be a lot of double standards and special interests. Now, I wasn't around for that. I, oh, the last I know is that the Irish cricket team were going into voluntary um, isolation when they came back from the cricket match in the UK. Isn't that right? Um, well, the, the news keeps on changing. But what, what Michael Martin said, he specifically mentioned rugby and, and professional professional a- athletes that, that they were that they were to be they were to be given special privileges, uh, even though it's a close contact sport. Yeah, that, that 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 that's right. And again, we have these meat factories which are, which are, t- are explosive when it comes to diseases. Uh, well, that's what the doctors say. Or this disease is exploding from these meat factories. They're going to shut them down on a case by case basis only. Because sometimes the sat the wages are so low that they have to go to work sick. Uh, I don't think. It, well, well, of course, well, of course they, they tell us this is a public emergency. So I don't. No, I mean, issues. like I think that is the case in some of those processing plants. Wages are very bad. Well, what the? Well, that wouldn't have anything to do with a public emergency and public safety. Like well, no, but it would give reason as to why sick people continue to go to work. Um, that's They're a separate poor. point. I just think the whole atom should be shut down because, like, I mean, if they're worried about the outbreak of disease and they want to stop it, if they're serious about that, why aren't they all shut down? Why didn't Hall go into isolation when he came back from Brussels? That's right. The double standards are there. They're, they're everywhere to be seen, um, from, from, from what I can see. Uh, see, see um, there's an inconsistent policy about wearing masks uh, so, so in some shopping centres. One will tell you you have to wear it. No, well, let me, let me just remind people, from this morning, you must wear a mask indoors, outside of your own home, and in all retail establishments. Are you doing that? Um, well, if, if, if outside, you mean walking around? I no, no, know. not walking around outdoors. No, no. Oh well, you can you can just you can just order in there for you can make an order there. I think Tesco and Super Value are doing home delivery there. That, that, that that's what I'll be doing. I'm not, I'm not going. I'm not going. You know, propagating. So when, if if they won't close down the meat factories where there's been explosions of diseases, I don't see why anybody else should do anything at all because it just seems to be double standards. They've shut down the airline industry. Uh, the schools have been shut down, and yet places where where where, where the disease seems to be very prone, they're going to shut them down. A, I know, I know, I know. Actually, there was a flight went out of Cork to, I believe, the Canaries last week. It had three people going out and four people coming back on board. I mean, it's like tiny yeah. amounts of people, tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a crazy, absurd situation. We got the buses running all over the country too, as well. Um, you know, again, but again, you're not near people on the buses. They're doing it right. Like you can't get COVID nineteen if you're two meters away from people and you're not with them for longer than fifteen minutes, half an hour, kind of. It's fine, like. You well, know. that's the, well, well, well. There's no proof of that anyway. Like I mean, like there's no actual proof. I mean, the, the experts tell us that the masks are no good anywhere. You know, they're, they're too small or something. If you believe the virus exists, like. Or, but you're you're not wearing a mask for protest, is it? 
Oh, I'm not going. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going. Wear, I'm not going wearing a mask. I'm certainly not going wearing a mask. No. I mean, if I have to go into a shopping centre, I, I don't want a conflicting situation with a security person. So I, 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 I wear it just to, just to keep them off my back. But I'm not wearing it for, for for health reasons. If I have to wear one, if I have to go and get some food or, or something inside in the shop, I'm not going. I'm not going to do it uh, because of health reasons. I, I'll do it just to keep these security people and these kind of policing people off my back. That's that. That's what I'll do, and for no other reason. Okay, so you're doing it under protest then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but like I, I mean, like it, our people are very divided on that. I mean, you can still see people walking inside, inside in shops without masks. Not today, though. I'd say no, not today. I'd say. Well, there's been a big, there's been a big drop now. What I've noticed now since they brought in this 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 muzzling law now uh, from today, muzzling there's law. been a big, there's there's been a big, big, big drop uh, in the amount of people going to uh, these shops. There's been a, there's quite a number because you know people are. How do you know? And, and because 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 I because I was there. I, I was there. I, I, I seen yes yesterday, and I was very, very quiet, quiet in the shops. They know this. This is come. People are very uncomfortable, with it. and of course, we hear the news then that these meat factories are exploding with diseases, and they're being shut down on a case by case by case. We got Dara Clary and say, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll make it. We, we, we'll have to bring in surprise testing and all that. Like making a virtual. They warned them. Testing. They warned them in advance. Sure, that's nonsense. Yeah, they did. They, 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 yeah, they're, they're, they're doing everything they can to to protect special interests there. Certainly in the farming and the agricultural business, their meat business, they're certainly protect protecting interests there. But of course, everybody else has the toad line, social distancing, all this. And you know, they know these meat factories now certainly are very very prone to 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 diseases like. Okay, appreciate it, Morris. Take care of yourself. We'll have to see whether there's a drop off in retail because of masks. I'd be really surprised if there was, but maybe if there's a drop off today, it could have as much to do with the fact that it's a Monday morning. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And then Paul was out in Greece, right? And um, have you got headphones there? Can you just help me out here? Because I know that you may have met... Some people say the lucky, lucky man. Others call it the lucky, lucky man. Which which term do you use? You know the chaps on the beach that sell you fake watches and cosmetics? Bling, bling, lucky, lucky. Well, yeah, you know him. Yeah, what, what, half price. What, what was, his name's J- Jimmy Barry Murphy, right? Yeah. But I thought he was down, was he in the Canaries or Spain or something? He was in Lanzarote and Lanzarote. then he ended up in Greece. And he's the guy um, that everybody from Cork, when we used to go on our holidays, would meet him. And he reams off a list of villages and townlands and suburbs around Cork, doesn't he? Yeah. And he's now moved, does he? He's moved to Greece. There was a Cork man over there recently and um, he put up a video with him that went viral. And he actually mentioned Bally Go Backwards, Bally Desmond, didn't it? So this is, this is Jimmy Barry Murphy that used to be in, in Lanzarote. Lanzarote, who's now somewhere in Greece. Somewhere in Greece, yeah. So you, Travis, he might end up in Patrick Street before we know it. <laughs> so, can I play that then? Yeah, go for it. Listen to this. Hi, good evening. We're reporting from overseas again. Due to the coronavirus, we need to report from Greece. Greece is a safe country. Remember that. That's true. The first very safe country is Greece. I'm in Greece now with my friends, all the from Shalangari and Lord friend, all the from Caucasus, Mr. Sean Marlow, Blackpool, Blackrock, the Blani, Bali, Hudu Road, Mary Hudu, Nakmihini, Mountain Naughty, Bali, Fian, Mokom, and Kargaline, Mayfi, Balankolikov, Kolik, Shambali, Mobandakora, Yolkinse, Middle John Bob, where Fomai Douglas Clan came to Blackpool in, and Talk Abandoned Bantry, Bali, Volon, Bali, Cotton, Bishop, Fan, Fanry, Passa, Shalvin, Lock, Lock, Bish, Lock, Blackrock, the Blani, Balguli, Neskit, Nestara, up the river. Up 
Sunday Rebels. Congratulations to him for being able to list off without ever coming up for air all of those different Cork locales and not a bit of Irish in them whatsoever. Or even Cork, for that matter. Actually, not talking about talking about congratulations. I mentioned Thunderchild Two when I came on the air earlier on this morning, uh, which created a world record for the fastest time from Cork Harbour to the Fastnet Rock and back again in a power boat. Man behind the design is Frank Kowalski. He's the Cork boat builder and a safe haven marine. I spoke to him some years back. It's been a long time, but he's going from strength to strength. Frank, good morning. Hang on a second, let me put it in properly. Oh, no, he's not there. Oh, he should be on two, shouldn't he? Um, okay, sorry, he's on four. Okay, just move lines. Frank, apologies for that. <laughs> you hear me all right? Yep. All right, okay, good stuff. I was just saying, I don't know how much you heard of that introduction, but congratulations, uh, a world record. Tell us all about it. What was it? You, were, you skipped the boat, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. What kind of speed? Well, we were hitting about 53 knots as a maximum speed, but we didn't run it flat out all the way. We kind of just went about 85, 90% of maximum power. So we were running about 45 knots uh, for most of the trip, just gave it the beams on the, the final 10 miles. You gunned her on the final 10 miles, is it? Yep. Yeah. And were, the con- were conditions... Once we knew we weren't going to break down then. <laughs> what? Once we knew we weren't going to break down then. Yeah, because if there were any problems, would it have been in the earlier stages, yeah? Yeah, yeah, kind of, you know, once we, you know, the engines had run for a couple of hours at that stage and there was no problems, we, you know, you don't want to push it too hard at the beginning in case something goes wrong. I mean, they describe it as almost like a James Bond-like powerboat, don't they? I mean, it's incredible in style, but it's built that way to cut waves, I guess, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. She was she was designed as a, a high-speed naval uh, patrol and interceptor. What kind of power? She's got four 650-horsepower Caterpillar engines, um, and she's running four surface-drive propellers. How in the name of God do you even keep it on the water? Yeah, yeah, she also has a hydrofoil between her catamaran hulls, so she just literally glides across the top of the water. Is it like more like skimming over the water then? I mean, is control much, is, is control not an issue that she'd flip like? No, no, no. She weighs she weighs near thirty tons, so there's a lot of weight there. Is it is it loud? Yep, it's apocalyptically loud. <laughs> it must be said. <laughs> How many on board with you? Uh, five. There was five of us. And were were conditions ideal at the week? There must have been. It was fairly flat, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, conditions are absolutely critical, really. Um, and we're kind of waiting for a nice bit of calm weather to come in. Um, yeah, you just can't do those speeds in, in rough weather. You just get beat up and you'll break the boat. So we had really nice conditions, kind of light, light winds and a, just a long Atlantic um, groundswell to contend with. So it was fine. And gone like a bullet out of a gun. There's a great photograph, a colour photograph making the examiner this morning as you're just rounding Fastnet. Did they have to clear the track so you had a good safe run? Because I imagine there was probably a lot of boating over the weekend. Yeah, well, we kind of made an announcement on social media. So kind of when we were 
crossing the start line, there was a good few boats. Um, and then on the road, on the way there, the boats were running over to us. But it was quite amazing, really, because when we got to the fastnet, um, there was about no, it was about forty, fifty small boats um, sitting around the rock. Um, we were amazed by it, and. We rounded the rock then, and after we passed it, they all set chase after us. It was fantastic to to witness, really. Uh, so, and great support that they all went out there to watch us and wave us wave us on. What kind of fuel would a powerboat like that burn on that uh, on that um, um, world record breaking attempt? Yeah, that's the thing in life, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it takes you have to feed the horses. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to get 50 knots out of something this big, it uses a fair bit of fuel. So we think we're burning, uh, we burnt about 1,350 litres on the trip. Um, so she's burning nearly 400 litres an hour. So uh, that's nearly change out of a two grand boat ride. Well, yeah, it's not that much, but yeah, it's, yeah it costs a bit of money to... And, and talk about the time then you did from Cork Harbour around the Fastnet and back in what time? Uh, two hours 30 minutes um, now in fairness now there's, there's three different classes for, for this UIM world record there's uh, under 30 foot 30 foot to 50 foot and over 50 foot um, all black racing set the 30 to 50 foot um, record back in 2017 so we're in a different class just want to say that but two hours, 36 minutes for your class is almighty yeah, yeah, fast, right. isn't it? Yeah, it is for something that's 23 metres long. Yeah, it's good going. I think it's incredible. I think it's great. And and what do you build Thunderchilds for, apart from breaking world records? What, what, what happens with them after you create them? Yeah, it should be sold on to, to someone. Um, you know, she was originally designed for, for naval uh, naval use really is a high speed interceptor so you know which is a very radical design so you're never going to be able to sell something like this just off a sheet of paper you really got to build the boat to, to prove, prove its design and its concept so that's why she was built and you know if you've got something like this well doing a world record is a, a great way of proving the design isn't it without a doubt but would, is, is it built for comfort though yeah, she's pretty comfortable. She has, uh, you know, liveaboard facilities. Uh, we originally planned on doing a transatlantic crossing with her, so she has five five berths, um, four cabins, and you know, living living capabilities on her. So yeah, she's not luxuriously fitted out, but she's yeah, she's nice and nice level of finish in her. <laughs> Undoubtedly, it'll cost a pretty penny, I imagine, though. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, it would be worth a few bubble wine. Without a doubt, a lot of zeros on the back of that. Have you noticed, just before I let you go, have you noticed that there seems to be, because of, imagine people aren't overseas, there's been uh, quite an amount of activity on the water, more and more people, you know, I mean, not not, not just boating, but, but swimming and just activity on the water in general. Oh, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there's loads of boats out uh, over the weekend, everywhere we went. Tons of boats, so everyone's out enjoying themselves. That was a fantastic weather, really. So you'd expect that, anyhow. Any um, any uh, interest in uh, your Thunderbird from uh, any whales or anything like that when you went out? Did you spot anything interesting? No, no, we didn't see anything. A um, few dolphins. Uh, no, <laughs> we'd love to have seen a whale. Well, we couldn't have stopped, but. Uh, yeah, that would have been cool. Probably going too fast. Anyway, I think it was a fantastic achievement. Congratulations to you. Uh, who else was on board? Kieran Monks 
uh, Carol Randalls. Two and monks, Carl, Mary, Mary Power, and uh, one of my staff, Robert Gusick. Nice to catch up with you again. Great taking talking to you. Thanks for taking the call, hey, Frank. Thanks very much, Neil. Cheers. Take care. Bye. All 75 feet of Thunderchild 2, if you were lucky enough to see it as it went along, um, at any point in this journey, lucky, lucky you. Setting a world record is an incredible thing. Two hours and 36 minutes. Normally, under normal sailing conditions, you know, going at a reasonable speed, that would take, on average, 12 to 15 hours. They did it in two hours and 36 minutes. Well done. Lines open at one 104 106 Back after these. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Okay, and if I run out of time this morning, I'll pick it up again in the morning. Another story we dealt with at the back end of last week, and I ran out of time, uh, was this Holy Communion, where it was being alleged that up to 400 people were going to turn up for a communion in a church if things were allowed to continue as planned. Um, like, for instance, um, one of the emails I got said... Uh, I can't give, I can't allow you to give out my details because I work in a school that's having communion soon. So this is from an employee who says there's 400 people invited to a communion in the church and they will all turn up, if not more than that, because we have some large families in the school. Number of things concern me. First, uh, the people that have been invited don't know how many have been invited. And on the day, under pressure of being prepared for the occasion, they won't have any option but to proceed anyway. The 400 people doesn't include people who would be attending Mass anyway, so it could be a lot more than 400. Number of children who are due to make communion are currently in the UK. Their families uh, with traveller heritage. And traditionally, they go to the UK for the summer visiting extended family. I'm pretty certain that there will there will not be a high level of compliance with the 14-day quarantine period upon return. I hope you raised the issue I did on Friday. From what I hear, it's the same in other parishes, and it's an unnecessary risk at this time in combating the virus before the return to school in a few weeks. Communions can happen in 12 months' time. Uh, kids could go to mass in the meantime. You know, I, I worried about this, actually, because people who want to get married, and I did see a couple, actually, going by in a wedding car at the weekend. And I was saying, well, that'll be a small wedding. But I was thinking, as I watched the bride and groom go by, why would a communion go ahead then with 400 people? Anyway, we were talking about uh, Skull Padre Pio. uh, And I think I have an update on that. um, Because Skull Padre Pio then issued a statement. um, And they did change the protocol from what I can see. They said, um, and this was a statement they sent to all parents, not to me, but to parents. It says, Dear parents, it's been decided to split the confirmation ceremony into two groups for public health reasons. Sixth class will be at half ten, fifth class at half twelve. This is on the 15th of August. Uh, they're limiting it now to two parents and a sponsor. No other children or guests are allowed to attend. Face masks are compulsory. Uh, the rehearsals as well are being split up. Um, face masks compulsory. Please remember to bring 20 euro to the rehearsals for the rental of the confirmation robe. So they split it into two now, a half 10 and a half 12, which should bring the numbers down. Whether it fixes the issue or not, uh, I don't know. You know, across that morning, you still would have over 400 plus people uh, going in and out and around the church. So it could well be an issue. We'll just have to wait and see. I think I might have a call or two on that on uh, tomorrow morning, but we'll pick it up at that stage. Graham, good morning. Um, when I spoke to you on Friday, I couldn't hear you, so my apologies for that. But uh, you're back to me now. Is that a better line? It should be. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm not. I'm not standing in the middle of a stone circle down in West Cork. So, <laughs> okay. Well, I got. I got about four minutes. So you wanted. To, you just wanted to talk. You wanted to pull me up on something when I said 
gyms are a perfect place to teach children, is it? Yeah, they're not. Um, just for a number of number one, plenty of schools don't have gyms that they would be able to uh, use in that way. Uh, number two, PE class is actually uh, a leading search subject, so now we just forget about it and don't use that. Um, number three, on the department release, the size of the gym they showed, plenty of schools don't have that either. Um, also, whether it's all the other plan, floor plans they have are of classrooms that schools do not have. They are not. Are you a teacher? I am, yes. Oh, well, thanks. Let's, I'm glad I clarified that. So you, you'd have a lot more experience of this than I would. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm, well, I'm sure others could see better, but I'd have a bit. Um, and then, finally, if you had a gym that size, if you didn't have PE classes, but if you put, let's say I'm a secondary school teacher, if you put three classes that size inside that echoey and cacophonous a room, you are not going to get to teach anything. Yeah. All yeah. you will be doing is try try. Trying to stop students from messing around, uh, that's literally all you're going to be. And to be honest, even as a teacher, I'd be half tempted to do it in that room myself. Um, and that's before you get into things like heating. Um, it's just no okay. way. So, so you're, you're the secondary school teacher. What's the plan for next month then, please? Well, the plan that they've released, um, was it social distance unless you can't and you can't. There's no social distancing. All of a sudden, it was like, then it was don't wear masks, then we're going to be wearing masks. So that's a step in. But look, their, their plan is not a plan and it will not work and I'll be very very happy if I'm wrong and obviously I'll but, be back at work all the other staff will be back at work I am I don't see how it lasts with all students back they should but be have you been have you been consulted or informed or advised as to what the state of play will be in September and um, beyond what the department released and what they released on a Friday uh, Friday evening so nobody can come back at them for another three days about it um, I have had conversations with management at school because generally during the summer I'd be kind of, as plenty of teachers would I'd be in and out and I bumped into them I we swapped emails and stuff like that we've had some updates from the school ma- management um, who in fact, some have been brilliant but they're operating in the same vacuum that teachers are to a large extent um, which is what we, just explain to me what they have said they've said masks smaller class sizes sizers, PP, they haven't said smaller class sizes and we don't have the staff to have smaller class sizes that's not possible and then the department start talking about um, sub panels those subs are unicorns. They don't exist. They're not Sub-teachers, there. you mean? Yeah, they're yeah. not there. Okay. Uh, in primary school, what they're going to have to do, they shouldn't do, and uh, but I understand why principals will put into it, if a teacher is absent, they're going to take the special education teacher, there'll be no special education going on, and that teacher will be covering for the mainstream teacher, and the students from special needs will be put inside in class, and their support that they are legally entitled to will be taken away. From. Okay, and there's some happen. issue with regards to you know people going to the loos and using the bathrooms and things like that, that that will be staggered or something, is it? Yeah, logistically wise, we have the biggest class sizes, the smallest physical classroom, the smallest percentage of our GDP invested in education of any other country in Europe. And we've had that, we've been that way for decades. Even with that, we are up the, towards the top end of the leaderboard in any metric you care to use. This is decades of underinvestment coming home to roost. It is not going to work. And tell me, will all teachers be happy to go back and will unions be happy to endorse the return? Um. We're all planning to go back, and I got, I was like, I'm a member of the union, but I don't speak for the union, obviously. Um, I'm happy to go back. Um, before they said masks, again, I would have been back anyway, because it's my job. I, would I have been given out left, right, and center if we weren't wearing masks? Absolutely, I would. Um, will I still be pointing out, and again, lots of people say, oh, it's teachers complaining. Like, no, we're go- unless someone's health is compromised in some way, as they would in any other work. They won't go back then. Well, the only, the only criticism, really, that I've been hearing is that it's been a six-month extended holiday for teachers and, um, you know, on uh, full pay. Say that. 
pop them on air. I'm quite happy to educate them otherwise. I'm literally on my way to go meet students as we speak. All right. Okay, good to catch up. Sorry about the phone line on Friday. Do stay in touch, Graham, all right? I no worries. No, it wasn't your fault. It's just one of these things. Lines will stay open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Enjoy your day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.